Hey everyone, in this episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with Hart Togman, founder and CEO of Rent Panda, a tenant placement and property management company in Southern Ontario. We spoke for two hours because I couldn't stop recording. The information being shared was mind-blowing. Get ready for a masterclass on tenant advertising, screening, and the inner workings of how the black box that is Facebook Marketplace works. Hart reveals the secrets of how to leverage Facebook, the most powerful and needle-moving platform that you can use in your tenant screening and advertising to your full advantage when advertising your rentals. I see more questions on how to use Facebook Marketplace than any other question when it comes to advertising rentals. This podcast is going to clear all of that confusion. Understanding how to optimally find and screen tenants for your properties is one of the most critical skills you can develop as an investor. If you agree and want a shortcut to developing this skill, you need to know about the Rent Your Home for Top Dollar class, an exclusive two-hour class that we hold on a monthly basis for Rockstar Inner Circle members. We dive deep on everything you need to gain a competitive edge in the rental market, from creating killer ads to screening for top-tier tenants. Whether you're renting short-term, mid-term, long-term, or want to execute a rent-to-own, this class teaches you how to crush the entire process from start to finish. I'm not exaggerating when I say the info taught in this class has earned me back tens of thousands of dollars and likely will be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars over my lifetime as an investor and given me my precious time and energy back. As a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you get full access to this exclusive training class along with 20 plus other classes that we teach to rockstar members i don't even know what the monetary value of all those classes could be or you know ultimately to you but it is a lot to learn more about the rockstar inner circle membership and all the incredible benefits it offers reach out to us by email at members at rockstarbrokerage.com or call 905-338-6964 extension 210 and we'll talk to you or simply visit rockstarinnercircle.com slash member to learn more don't miss out on the chance to level up your rental property game and reach out today. Now, without further ado, Hart Togman. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so so we're rolling. I'm with uh, Hart Togman, founder and CEO of Rent Panda. So Hart, you've been on the podcast before, but real quick, what's Rent Panda? Yeah, Rent Panda is the rental expert in the marketplace. So we built a company to a be expert, the rental expert. Okay, yeah. I love it. Not to be cliche or anything, but uh, we really focus on all of the things that most investors don't want to do. You know, they want to buy and sell homes, they want to own investment properties, but when it comes to landlording, most people don't want to be a landlord; they want to be an investor. So we've got software for people to make their lives easier if they do end up doing it themselves. We've got leasing specialists that actually place tenants for you, so that you don't have to deal with that and we've got full service property management and now we're across all of ontario okay so for us really it's about focusing on that small landlord population and helping them in their journey as a as an investor and a, land, a landlord okay so yeah. for this podcast i was talking to you at our last big rockstar event it was the networking bonanza mm -hmm. and we just started chatting and then i quickly realized you know a lot about facebook marketplace a little bit and facebook marketplace is a black box it is by far the number one best advertising platform for rentals i think you'd probably agree yep and nobody knows anything about it. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how it works, nada. And there's no information online. Yeah. I've looked. Zuckerberg keeps it that way. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I have looked. There's information, there's people selling courses on how to sell products on Facebook Marketplace. Mm -hmm. There is no information 
on how to use rental listings effectively in marketplace. Yeah. I tried finding someone, I've done this search for a while before I talk to you, man, to try and find someone who's an expert at it or just works within marketplace to, to come on the podcast to ask all these questions. And I finally feel like I found the guy. <laughs> so maybe you don't know everything, but you do know a lot more than I do about the intrinsic uh, you know, workings of how marketplace works and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I really wanna focus on that. We can talk about other tenant screening as well because you are a wealth of knowledge. But Facebook marketplace um, specifically, why are you qualified to talk about this? <laughs> well, I, uh, I spent about 12 years in the advertising industry. And I was advertising for an eight, well, working at an agency essentially. So we were doing General Motors, Del Monte, Tropicana. I shifted over to cause-based marketing. So that was you know, typical not-for-profits and government initiatives too. So we did advertising for the census. And if you can convince people to complete a census, you can figure out how to market anything essentially. <laughs> um, and it was the most successful online completion of the census in history at the time. So for me, looking at rental housing from a marketing perspective is the same as looking at any other product. You can sell a Tesla, you can sell an old beat up tennis racket, you can sell a shoe on Facebook Marketplace and on other platforms, and rental housing is no different. So the principles of marketing product applies to rental housing and it applies to every other product on Facebook Marketplace. Okay, so you've got the marketing principles nailed down, but how do you know about the intrinsic workings of Marketplace? We do it a lot. So okay. just over time, you've picked up stuff. Yeah. And, you know, probably five or six years ago, people said, I don't post my listing on Facebook Marketplace. Bad tenants are there or people just wasting my time. And like you said, Facebook Marketplace now accounts for the very large majority of all the inquiries that we get. Upwards of 80, 85 percent of inquiries come through Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. So we can post on Kijiji. We can post on rentals.ca. We can post on our own platform, RentPanda. But without Facebook Marketplace, we're not going to move places. Yeah. So we have to be there. And we do about 40 to 50 leases a month easily. And all of those are on Facebook Marketplace, sometimes multiple listings on Facebook Marketplace. So just by volume and by having done it for the last five years, we really know what we're doing. Um, and we've seen different styles of advertising on Facebook Marketplace come and go. We've seen different programs come and go. There actually used to be a beta program out there for rental housing for um, businesses. And that came in Canada and it went in Canada and it opened up in the States and we tried to VPN down into the States to get more you know, traction on, on our listings. So Facebook has changed their black box. You know, they keep changing their algorithms. They keep changing how you can interact with them. And the only way to really learn is by doing tons and tons of volume. Okay. So 85% upwards of your inquiries are from Facebook marketplace. Are you tracking where your winning tenant that actually is signing the lease is coming from and how many of those are coming from marketplace? It's about the same. So, yeah. you know, the volume equates to the final number. We don't necessarily track exactly where they're coming from, but we, we don't move properties without volume because with a vacancy rate so low, you are getting tons and tons of people inquiring. You're getting tons of tire kickers inquiring and processing people through all the platforms simultaneously with an efficient screening tool is really the only way to fill properties with certainty. And we've done about 1300 leases over the last couple of years. We've had one non-payment of rent and that got solved within three months. So 1300 leases, one non-payment of rent is a really, really good track record. I'd rather have zero, but unfortunately we have the one. Um, it's good. It's almost like when you see a business with only five-star Google reviews yeah, and there's like, to be true. no, but when you see the 4.8, 4.9, you're like, okay, you guys yeah, are legit. There's no? the one. Cause there's always the one unhappy customer, yep. right? It's more realistic. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for us, you know, 
doing that type of volume and, and seeing those people come through, we have to process a lot of people in order to find the best or else okay. we're just taking a shot in the dark and, you know, we may find a really good tenant, but we don't know whether that's a consistent thing. We don't, we're not able to present multiple recommendations to landlords. We're not able to be certain. And although we never guarantee tenants, we can get very, very close to guaranteeing it as long as we get tons and tons of volume through the door. What is the current vacant vacancy rate in Ontario right now? <laughs> I mean, they'll say it's 1.2, 1.3% or something like that. It depends on the market, but it also depends on the asset type. So if you're looking at executive housing in Oakville, or you're looking at, you know, two bedroom basements in Brampton, that number is going to be very different. And there's a lack of data on those kind of micro markets for sure. Yeah, there's niches within niches, and then it doesn't reflect on what's actually happening on the streets because maybe more people are pairing up to rent together just you know, bedrooms in one house mm -hmm. or, you know, multi-generational living just for rental affordability when, you know, they would have had their own units before. So it's like, not only is the vacancy rate low, but people are getting squeezed more and more yeah. into paying more for less. For sure. So it doesn't actually reflect that side of it. No. And, and you know, there's skewed data. If you take a look at the MLS system right now, there's going to be properties in Toronto that are priced decently, maybe a little bit too high that have been sitting on the market for 45 days, 60 days. So there are asset classes that don't move quickly and you just need to be cognizant of that. So looking at overall vacancy rate is almost inconsequential. We never really do it. We know that we need to price a property accurately in order to move it relatively quickly. And we don't want to move it within one or two days and fill a vacancy where someone can move in five days later, six days later. You know, rare occasions. Yeah, filling are, a but... vacancy in one to two days in Ontario is not hard. No. You're going to post your ad and if you're priced, you know, properly, yep. you're going to get like 10 inquiries yep. that first day, 20 inquiries by the second day, book a showing. And then once somebody wants to rent your home, yep. that doesn't mean it's going to be a good tenant. For sure. We rented our personal basement apartment and within the first 24 hours, we had over 300 Facebook messages coming through. Mm -hmm. That was insane. So did you think you were priced too low? Did you bump it up? Uh, no, we didn't, we didn't bump it up because from 300 inquiries, we use our own screening tool and we sent people to that to complete a full profile before coming through the home. Yeah. 27 people out of 300 did that. Of those 27, we decided to show it to 11 people. And after 11 showings, we found two top tenants. Mm -hmm. So 300 inquiries only ended up with two tenants that I would actually rent to. Yeah, the funnel is huge. Like you'll see on Facebook Marketplace, for example, 1,500 views in the past 14 days, kind of does it on a rolling yep. basis or yep. seven days. And of those 1,400 people, yeah, you're only getting, you know, let's say 300 messages, mm -hmm. three, of those 300, 100 will fill out your pre-screening, yep. screening tool, and it just funnels down, yep. right? And, and that's why high volume is so important at the start. And so if we post a property and we don't get four or 500 views within probably about 12 hours, we know something is wrong. Are you talking across all platforms or on Facebook? Just on Facebook. Facebook specifically. Yeah. yeah. So I'll share, so I've done probably about 80 or I'm somewhere around the 80 mark awesome. uh, leases in the past two and a half years. And about 85% of the properties that I filled have mm -hmm. the winning tenant has been from Facebook marketplace. Right. It's like the exact same numbers as you. Yep. And I'm on Zumper, uh, rentals.ca, Kijiji. Yep. Those are the main ones. Now, so quickly before we get into Facebook, yeah. I want to know the inner workings. Yeah. Uh, what platforms are you posting on other than Facebook marketplace that you find success and that it's worth posting on still? So I will say for the audience, it depends, right? And I want to stress that you need to look at the asset that you have 
and the tenant profile that you're looking to attract and find the platform that's right for you. So for instance, I could say we post across Facebook, Kijiji, Zumpers, Zillow, Padmapper, Rentals.ca, all of those. But if I was looking at student housing in Guelph, I would want to post on the Canon, which is the Guelph, you know, off-campus student housing platform. Yeah. So you always want to be particular to the market that you're in, the asset that you have, and the tenant profile that you're looking to attract. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely key because so many landlords just say, I want to be on MLS, right? I want to be on Kijiji, right? I used to get my my, uh, tenants from Kijiji, so you have to be on Kijiji. Well, if they're in Thunder Bay, for instance, where we started the business, no one is looking on Kijiji. There's like 0.2% of all rentals are on Kijiji. So it doesn't make sense based on historical data. You know, if you're looking at a three bedroom basement in North Bay, you're not going to be on the MLS system, right? You will not find any tenants on the MLS in North Bay. But if you're in Toronto with that exact same asset, you may want to be on the MLS. Totally. So it all really depends. We have posted on every single platform out there Mm -hmm. and we've done others other placements where we're just on Facebook marketplace or we're just on the MLS. Um, but it's very rare that we just choose run one. So what I found is Facebook marketplace seems to be the one where no matter where you're, what property it is or where it is, it seems to be still worth it posting on there. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's the volume. Like the, the ultimate case study for that is the fact that rent Panda started as a prop tech. We were a piece of technology and we wanted to build the best marketplace out there. And after about four years of pushing technology and marketplace, as we expanded across Ontario, we realized that Facebook was kicking our ass, right? The reality was, is so many people were starting to use Facebook and Facebook was also changing to focus on rentals a lot more. They were making it easier. The search criteria were more refined. The searchability was a lot better. The user experience was better. And so all of these lights started flashing to be like, if Facebook is focusing on rentals, we need to get out because we are not going to compete with Facebook as a marketplace. They're just going to win. And yeah, so they, yeah. they took over the entire, um, what do you call it? Secondary purchasing market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from Kijiji, not just rental properties and advertising there. Like they took over selling your old clothes, yep. selling your car. Like I've sold my car on, on yep. uh, Facebook marketplace. I was trying to sell it on Kijiji, almost no hits. Yep. By the way, I've never actually found a winning tenant from Kijiji, despite spending like close to 2000 bucks yep. over the years in like, you know, boosting the ad, mm-hmm. top ad, like I just find it horrible right. to be honest. And some people who in the last decade have been investors have used Kijiji for a, a long time, but, mm-hmm. and are resistant to move over to Facebook. I honestly just don't understand it. Like I'm posting, I'm spending money. Yeah. I can't find anyone. So I just kind of stopped. I'll, I'll do a free one there and see, but I still haven't found anyone. I think it depends on the market. We've found some markets. Kijiji still brings in maybe 5% of the users. And there are some quality tenants on there, but it's it's getting less and less. And Facebook is definitely taking over. And I mean, my side hustle to my side hustle is flipping furniture. And I flip a lot of furniture on Facebook Marketplace. And the same dynamics that apply to flipping furniture apply to rental housing. It's, it is it is the marketplace and it's becoming more and more so the marketplace. Okay, so what are, your, what are some of your tips, your insights, <laughs> and some advice that you would give people about how Facebook marketplace works, how to give your ad more exposure, the different things you can do? Yeah, so I'll say the first and biggest one is all about engagement. So when you think about what Facebook wants, whether it is you liking a friend's photo, you know, the old like and share, the comments, the postings, 
Facebook wants more engagement, right? They want more people on the platform. They want more time on the platform. And that means more engagement on the platform. So as an advertiser and as a landlord, I am an advertiser. As an advertiser, I want to figure out how to get the most engagement on my ad so that Facebook thinks, wow, people really want to engage with Hart's ad. And again, it can be a piece of furniture, it can be my old you know, tennis shoe, or it can be a beautiful executive house in Oakville. So engagement is key. And so when we post that ad, everything that we do is about getting engagement. And then the little you know, side tip to that is immediate engagement is really important. So if you have an ad that's up for four days and it's overpriced, and then you go, okay, you know what? I've learned my lesson. I'm going to drop that price down. That four days of non-engagement that Facebook sees is going to be detrimental to the overall success of your ad. So when you post your ad, you want immediate engagement and you want high engagement. And so what that means, like a little case study, if I have a three-bedroom home in Oakville, standard home, let's say, and I'm not too keen on pets, right? Landlords can be not keen on pets. You know, we're not going to get into the LTB and the RTA and all of that right now. Every single landlord doesn't want pets. Yeah. Um, as a landlord, I did, right? So you wanted pets. I wanted pets. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So let's say I don't want pets, but I've spoken to Rent Panda. They're managing my advertisement. I want to advertise as a pet friendly place mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, when people come through and they have pets and they see that the place is pet friendly, A, they're going to disclose that they have pets. If they don't have pets, they're going to disclose that they may want to get pets. Mm -hmm. And we can screen pet people out, right? It's very easy once someone divulges that they have pets to simply pass on them, Mm -hmm. right? And that's my choice as a landlord. Ethics, morals aside, that's my choice as a landlord to pass on someone for any reason. But about 50% of the rental population has pets. So if you think about 50% of those Facebook users who could potentially engage with your ad, you want them to engage with your ad right away, even if you're going to screen them out. So yes, it's a little bit more work to screen them out, but by getting that extra 50% of the population engaging with your ad because you said pet friendly, you're automatically telling Facebook more people want to engage with this ad and Facebook pushes it out to more people who are relevant. So you're gonna get more engagement from those without pets by actually posting pet friendly. And that's just one example of you know, playing the Facebook algorithm to get higher engagement. Smart. Yeah. I've definitely <coughs> done the pet friendly thing to get people to disclose mm-hmm. or if they're planning on getting a pet, yep. but I never thought about the engagement. Right. So like, this is the type of stuff I want to know, like how to get more views on these ads right. on Facebook. So what else can you do? So number two is Facebook is a pay to play game, right? Zuckerberg and all those Facebook execs want advertising dollars. And again, if I'm Nike, or I'm Hart with a rental ad, they want advertising dollars. And it's huge, huge ad revenue when you look at marketplace spend. So if I'm going to be on marketplace and I really want to move a property, I need to spend and I need to spend from day one. So again, think about you know the, the hierarchy of these tips is engagement is always key. And so if you want immediate engagement, you pay right away. You don't post and you post that up you know, too high price and then wait a little bit and then drop the price and then pay, you know, your 10 or $20 to get a, a boosted post. Mm. You want to go out on Facebook marketplace. You want to price it appropriately and you want to pay for that ad. Even if you're paying 10 or $20, it's still going to make a big difference. And 10 or $20 in a market 
you know, within the GTA can get you two, 3,000 impressions. And we talked about that funnel. Two, 3,000 impressions could be the difference between renting that place out within a week or two and letting it sit vacant for an extra month. Um, for us as a company, we spend a lot more than that on our Facebook ads because we want to move properties. So spending 50, 100, $150 on an ad isn't, you know, uncommon for us because we want to get more people viewing that ad so that that funnel can really work. Okay. So how does the boost actually work? What is it doing? Is it pushing the ad out to people's news feeds? Is it pushing it out? So I, I looked into it a bit. It's, it's, it's saying that on Instagram and Facebook, it's going to get more views and engagement, mm -hmm. but is that just going out to random people on like Instagram? They see it on their news feed? No. Or is it, is it going out to people who are specifically in marketplace looking for rental housing? Yeah. So the way that Facebook works is you can pay for ads, which go out into the newsfeed and, and they get placed based on people's interests. Essentially, you don't want to do that. That's what like big advertisers do. If you're going out and spending a hundred grand to get, you know, anyone interested in real estate into that advertisement, you know, if you've got a big fund or something like that, those are ad placements, but marketplace boosts give you more impressions with an audience that Facebook thinks will engage with your ad. So not to <laughs> beat a dead horse, but it all goes back to engagement again. So if you post an ad and a specific type of Facebook user starts engaging with your ad and you've boosted it, Facebook will show more people like that, your ad within marketplace. So it's not just going out into the nether regions. It's going out to people who are actively searching and actively searching for properties like yours. So your specific property. So if it's a three bedroom, two bathroom in Oakville, it's going to people who have maybe had that search in the past week or two weeks. Probably. And where is it showing up? Is it showing up only when they do that specific search in marketplace or is it showing up on their newsfeed? It's likely just showing up in their marketplace feed or their marketplace searches. So ad placements and boosted posts are different. You can choose, like within the boosted program, you can choose to be um, an ad placement, but the native boost is just more people on Marketplace will see your ad. Okay. If so you think you about it, like the old school Kijiji way, right? You, you would pay to be on the first page. With Facebook, there's no first page. Everyone's first page dynamically adapts every single time they load that page up. So there is no first page. It's just what Facebook thinks will be more engaging to them. And by boosting it, Facebook will then go, okay, I'm going to show more people your ad. And so that's all algorithm based. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. I know that's true actually, because I was looking to buy a chest freezer for one of my student rentals. And then, yeah, let me try to save some money by using I could have sold you mine. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, so yeah, I was looking at chest freezers and uh, now I'm still getting it. Cause I, when I open up my marketplace, um, I have a preset to, to open marketplace tab mm -hmm. so I can renew my ads and stuff, which we'll, I'm yep. sure we'll get into. But uh, now it's all chest freezers right. popping up. And if you open up marketplace, you know that they've got the categories and there's populated items in that category, right? And maybe it's really close to you or based on your interests or based on your last searches. So those are the types of things where the more engagement that you can provide to Facebook, the more it'll serve to people to engage with. Okay. And Facebook, why is Facebook doing that? Just because that item that's for sale or for rent is just hot and it's trying yep. to push it out. Exactly. Like it knows like it's getting engagement and it just wants to keep users on the platform using it. So it's like, whatever this is, it's good. Put yeah. it in front of people. Yeah. It, it's why videos go viral, right? If you think about TikTok, why do some videos get pushed and then pushed more and pushed more and pushed more. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, a hundred thousand, a million hits on that video. Mm -hmm. It's because 
the, the system knows that something that starts off engaging, they want more people to engage with. And then it's that cycle. It gets more engaging and it gets more engagement and it gets more engaging and it gets more engagement. And so that, that is the model of social media, right? It, it's meant to push engagement to keep people time on the vampires. It, it just pisses me <clears throat> off hearing that <laughs> but the amount of time that is as wasted. A, as an advertiser though, you want it to take makes advantage. sense. Well, it also makes sense, right? It's, it's, I want my ad shown to people who would naturally want to see my ad. So the old school mentality of like, you know, don't understand what I want and serve it up to me. Like you're prying into my personal data and you know too much about me, right? You know, my, my wife took a pregnancy test and all of a sudden you served me up diapers like that age old case study. Yeah. But as an advertiser, that makes sense. Cause I would rather pay to serve my diaper ad to those who are about to have kids versus serving my diaper ad to someone who has no intention of ever having kids. For sure. As a marketer, you want to take advantage of the yeah. algorithms and stuff. And that's why social media platforms have built it that way. Cause they are businesses, right? They are trying to make money and their money comes from ad revenue. So if they can serve more people who are likely to engage with and purchase your product, even though it's a rental house and there's only one of them to Facebook, it's a product, right? And, and they want people to buy your product. Okay. So now this is becoming more clear to me. I've never thought of Facebook as being purely algorithm based, which it, it's so obvious that it is. Mm -hmm. Even if someone puts your specific rental unit in your specific area, it's still serving it up like up top as the algorithm favors the heavily engaged posts, right? Whereas yeah. Kijiji is like old school uh, classifieds, but online essentially. Exactly. And that's what it actually was. It was online classifieds yep. where you're just paying for ad space to be at the top. Or if you're a recent post, you're at the top, but then you get pushed down. Yep. Like it's all chronologically based. It's not algorithm based. Exactly. Okay. And, and the algorithm, like the core piece is it's dynamic. So as a user, if I'm a tenant searching for a property, if all of a sudden I've chosen, you know, a three bedroom upper unit or a three bedroom single family home and my price point is $3,200. If all of a sudden I go, you know what, I'm going to settle for a two bedroom in a different area at $2,100 and I change, I as a user have changed to Facebook. The change is slightly gradual, but it happens pretty quick, but I'm a different user. So now I'm going to be served up different content and all of a sudden your ad that was targeted towards me, I'm never going to see again. And even when I load up, you know, that map view, which is relatively new from a Facebook perspective, I'm not going to get served that content because it's no longer relevant to me on the map view. You're no longer on the map view on the, on the list view, like your, your ad, even if I'm not searching specific criteria, it will never get served to me organically because it's not relevant to me as a user anymore. Okay. So the map view specifically, so in your example, like the three bedroom home in Oakville, right. you're looking for that. So it shows up on the map. Yep. Right. But then if you switched to, you said a two bedroom or something, yeah. and it, but in the same area. Yep. So as a fun test, if you pull up Facebook's map and you don't put in any criteria and you just load up that map, see what you get served organically, see what type of properties you as Anthony actually get served up. You'll see that it's probably in line with things you've searched beforehand or you know, general dynamics of your, your profile, you know, your age, what Facebook may think you're going to be able to afford and rent. Um, Facebook organically serves you content on that page. Yeah. You can then go down and filter it and find the absolute one that's perfect for you. 
But Facebook is always playing this algorithm game because they want you to engage. They want you to stay on platform and buy stuff on Facebook. Yeah, it's bastards. Yeah. They get me too, because uh, like I, I rent here in Oakville, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I see it's time to time an Oakville rental pops up and I'm just like, oh, let me check this one out, mm -hmm. right? And now it's coming up all the time and it's it's hooking me in because I'm going to check my ads and, uh, and now it's hooking me into all these other rentals. Yeah, and if you notice, Facebook has progressed over the last, I would say 18 months. Now when you list a property, and you pull it down, it asks you, you know, did you rent it on Facebook Marketplace? Which mm -hmm. was the case before. If you say yes, it then pulls up all the users that you've spoken to on that property, and it says, who did you rent to? And I would assume the next progression of that is gonna be, did you rent to them at the price that you advertised for? And then once that happens, it's probably gonna lead into other rental tools. Like if you look at the progression of Facebook in the rental space, it's very likely that they are slowly developing the depth of data that they're going to be collecting on the rental housing sector because it's incredibly valuable. So I will say that the second portion and the more valuable portion to where Facebook makes their money is data. So, you know, if you're not buying a product from a company, you are the product, that old saying. The rental housing data in North America is so lacking that Facebook would be stupid not to start to aggregate you're more right. of that data. They must be doing yeah. it. And so they're moving towards that. And, and the, the beta program that we saw happen with some rental housing providers in the States and here in Canada for the seven seconds that it did happen, all of that showed that Facebook is interested in the housing sector from a data perspective. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Now, when that comes up, um, have you rented to this person mm -hmm. or did you rent it on Facebook? Yes. Mm -hmm. Then it shows you all the people that reached out to your ad. Yep. I'm always conflicted. I'm like, I don't know. Should I pinpoint that person? And sometimes I do it. Now I actually do it because I just want to double check that they came from Facebook. Okay. I do track that in my pre-screening, but now like I, I used to track it all in a spreadsheet where all my winning tenants actually came from. Mm -hmm. But now I just, I don't care. I'm just trying to pump out leases. So I'm like, I'm trying to find that specific person. It's, it's usually Facebook, right? So I see them and I click and then nothing happens, right? There's, right. There isn't that next step, but I'm always wondering like, okay, why did they want to know the specific person? Right. Well, one would assume, and, and Facebook is a black box, but one would assume that you've been identified as a seller on Facebook, right? Because you have a seller's profile. People can see the things that you've sold and there, you know, there's ratings now for seller profiles. As a buyer, knowing that you rented to that person, let's say you rented to me, Hart is now a buyer or a renter now in Facebook's mind, and they know when generally I've rented, what type of property I've rented, and they can start to build a deeper profile on me as a person. So even if they don't end up you know, building out massive databases of rental housing data, they know that I'm a renter. So if I'm gonna move in, let's say a month, maybe that telco ad that they're gonna serve to me is more relevant, or maybe I'm gonna get a U-Haul ad, and so they're gonna now charge U-Haul mm -hmm. a more refined and higher price to target me as a renter for that U-Haul that I'm gonna need to move. So all of these things are intertwined data points that paint a better picture of me and you, whether you're a buyer or a seller oh, or just a so user on right. Facebook. Furniture. Everything. Everything. And I only think in this way because, A, I came from the advertising world, but also we tried to build RentPanda as this marketplace. And there is a huge need for this data. We even thought about, you know, when people move into a neighborhood, their local nail salon is going to want to advertise with the marketplace because they're new to the to the community and people typically don't go outside of like a one kilometer radius for their nail salon and they typically are return customers you almost have like a, a SaaS business but not software so you've got that monthly recurring revenue from a nail salon 
So all of these industry segments can advertise based on the, the notion that I've now moved to that neighborhood. I'm a renter in that neighborhood. And so lease data is also incredibly valuable. So Facebook hasn't gone into the leases yet, but if they went down this path, I wouldn't be surprised to see basic leases being built out on Facebook, or at least an understanding of when your move-in date is, because that gets you even more refined to how Facebook can serve up advertising to you. God, it's so invasive, <laughs> but it's so good as a marketer. Um, okay, yeah. so the boost option. So yes. how much are you spending? Like, what would you recommend to people? They're just posting their own ad. They want to boost it to get the engagement right off the bat, like what you're talking about. Yeah. Have it priced right, get maximum engagement. How much should they spend and for how many days? Because it's over a duration, yeah, right? For sure. So you touched on a very quick point there in terms of pricing accordingly. So it is a complete waste of money to boost your ad, even if you're going to spend 10 grand on your boosted ad, if you are crazy priced from a rental perspective, no one's going to engage with your ad. So engagement with the ad is our number one identifier of whether or not we've hit market rent. And so we can talk about that at, for hours and hours and hours, but pricing is incredibly important before you spend any money. Once you've priced appropriately, either you know talk to the right people, do your own research on Facebook Marketplace, on other platforms, use the tools that are out there. Rent Panda has a few, but you, you wanna make sure you're priced accordingly. And then I would say as a starting point for a small landlord, doing $5 a day over the course of five days is a good starting point. So if you think about posting the ad on a Monday, you're gonna spend that entire week and you're likely gonna set up your showings for that weekend or maybe a Friday night as much as people hate you know learning that. Most of the activity, I'm not sure if you found this, happens in the evenings and a lot, you know, Friday night and Saturday and Sunday, because that's when people who are working, who are the people you want to rent to, can find the time to actually go visit properties. Yeah. So yeah, $5 a day over five days is a good starting point. As a company trying to move a lot of leases, we would spend $25 a day over five days and see what kind of traffic we're getting then. Smart. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's pay to play, right? So if you pay more, you're going to get more traction. And this is just the boost within marketplace. This isn't an ad placement, Correct. which you can also do. Yeah. We don't typically do ad placements because <clears throat> the, um, the targeting is less refined. Yes. So we don't really care to just target people in the real estate sector. We would do that for ads for rent Panda to get new clientele on board, but to attract tenants, you want to get people who are in that marketplace space who are actively searching. Okay. Yeah. So now when is your team members, your leasing specialists, when are they sharing the marketplace ads to specific rental housing groups? For example, student housing groups yeah. or Toronto housing or Barry for rent? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> uh, right away. So for us, about 40 to 50% of our overall traffic actually comes from those localized Facebook groups, as we call them. How do you track that? Just overall volume. So you can actually see on each group what the impressions are and how many messages have come through as opposed to just Facebook Marketplace in general. So if you look at you know Toronto housing, and there's probably 45 Toronto housing groups in there, yeah. you wanna make sure that you're on all of them, even if they're gonna cross-pollinate and people are on multiples, it gets your ad more exposure and it's free exposure, right? So you're gonna to pay to boost on Facebook Marketplace, but all those localized groups is typically where about half the traffic comes through from. And people in those groups are more you know, acutely in need of housing, I would say. So if someone is on five different housing groups and they're skimming those pages every single night to try and find their rental for 30 or 60 days from now, 
they're going to see your ad posted multiple times and they're likely to engage with it. Do you think you're actually getting like winning tenants for sure from those groups? For sure. Yeah. We, we often get winning tenants from, um, those localized groups, especially in smaller markets. So, you know, Facebook marketplace in Sault Ste. Marie is big, but you know, Sue look at, or not to look at, but Sue St. Marie, uh, rental housing, Facebook groups are going to have more people than just natively on Facebook marketplace. Mm-hmm. Also in those groups, it's been my experience. That's where you get the society debates, yes. or the, le- the tenants versus the landlords for sure. And you got to deal with a lot of flack there, which you yep. should and uh, can just ignore, yep. you know, don't, don't engage with any of it for sure. Yeah. That number one rule of PR is like, do not engage, right? There will be people who say you're ruining our society, you're a monocle man, monopoly guy, greedy landlord, yeah, greedy landlord. Nobody can afford this. Exactly. But laughing at you, yep. I get that one all the time. Just people laughing. Yeah, for sure. Laughing at my rent amount. And as I mean, you probably knows this from doing the volume that you do, but if you're seen as posting multiple properties as well, people escalate that, right? If, if the same person who, you know, gives you flack in one group, see yeah. that you've posted four properties you are going to be their target and oh they are God. going to rally their entire community around you. You just have to ignore it because it will die out. Um, yesterday, in fact, one of our leasing specialists you know, wrote to me and was like, how do I handle this? She was like on the brink of tears because people are like destroying you on Facebook. And the reality is, is trolls are trolls, right? And housing is in need. Housing is expensive. But at the same time, you're going to get a lot of flack on those posts. But in the same comments, you're going to get like beautiful place or amazing rental or interested. And you're going to get 45 interested, interested, interested messages. Yeah. So the reality is, is for some it's crazy for others. They think you're ruining society. And for the majority you're providing housing that unfortunately is expensive, but they have to rent. Yeah. It really is just the 1% of just like bitter evil yeah, people. Maybe commenting. 5% sometimes. Yeah. On there it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty heavily skewed to yeah. be honest. Yeah. You got to have thick skin in this industry anyways. You really do. It's, it's funny. One time somebody commented on another post, it wasn't even my house mm-hmm. and there, it was like a whole war going on debate, landlords, tenants, greedy landlord, all this stuff. And they tag it's one guy out of nowhere. It just goes and watch out for at Anthony Molinaro. Like he mm-hmm. tagged me. He's like, this guy's asking all these personal questions. You know, it was such a crazy comment. I, I, I'm not doing it just for how crazy it was. Yeah. It's like, watch out for this guy. He's asking personal questions. Seems like a total scammer. Cause I would send people to like a Google forum yep. online pre-screening yep. thing. Right. And that was just my process. Yep. So like I had this like reputation in these like hateful groups. Yeah. We've gotten that. We've even gotten to the point where people have, you know, tracked us down and prank called us or just called us out of the blue. We get a lot of emails to hello at rentpanda.ca just crapping all over us. Uh, for our posts, but it's part of the game. You know, we're here to represent our landlords. We're here to provide quality housing at fair market value and fair market value these days is incredibly expensive. So that's yeah. just the reality of it. It's unfortunate because people are upset over the sim- the symptoms of a broken system. Yeah. And you're just trying to de- you know, get the landlord the top dollar rent. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we're not gouging people. We're not you know, engaging in bidding wars, which is very common amongst certain populations of people. Um, we're just providing, you know, fair market rents. And again, they are high, but that's the reality. What was the bidding wars, uh, amongst certain, what's that? Oh, well, I what mean, you- I don't want to speak badly of, of, uh, realtors, but in general, no, please do the, well, the, uh, <laughs> you're not a realtor. <laughs> yeah. No, but the, um, if, if you look at 
the MLS system and generally when realtors are doing rentals, um, there is a much higher percentage of bidding wars that goes on in the rental sector amongst realtors uh, because you know the, the two parties who are actually engaging, the landlord and the tenant, are one step removed and they both have their realtors representing them. So for the landlord, sometimes it is good. You know, there's a bidding war. The tenant realtor will come through and say, my my tenant wants this place. You know, they probably want to move that tenant off of their their uh, plate pretty quickly, and so they push the price up. They say, hey, you know, you're listed at 2,400, 2,700, and just give my client the place, right? I want to be done with this. And as the uh, landlord so realtor, scummy. yeah, but it, I mean, it's it's the it's same thing that happens in the buy and sell market, right? You you put in an offer, and so sometimes those offers are higher because you want to get the place rented out and because you want to get your tenant client. Off. Yeah. You're not being represented uh, exactly well at all. But for us, the biggest red flag is someone who comes in and just tries to offer more money or even someone who comes in without a proper reason and tries to offer three months up front or six months up front. Yeah. The large majority of time they're trying to hide something. And so for us, we're pricing a property appropriately. You know, we're working with our landlords to figure out what numbers make sense for them based on the purchase, what's going to bring in good ROI based on their goals and their strategy, and we're pricing it appropriately. And yes, the market dynamics are going to make that shift a little bit, but when someone comes through and offers, you know, $3-400 more in than the market rent or than advertised rent, the number one thing that goes off in our heads is what are they trying to hide? Yeah. Okay. So, how many of your listings are going to bidding wars then? I would say less than 1%. Okay. So yeah. that's very relieving for me to hear because I've never had a bidding war. Yep. I don't think. And the, the reality is, is very few people outside of the realtor leasing systems have had bidding wars. Uh, but, okay. That makes me feel so much better. Cause I just thought maybe it was like a Toronto thing. Like there's such insane demand in Toronto that, you know, it's, it's creating these bidding wars that you hear about in the news and all this stuff. I'm like, I've never had a bidding war. Right. Like I just try to price it appropriately. Sometimes there's a bit of price finding, mm -hmm. you know, after you post, but then it's like just finding the best quality tenant. And if you have two of them, it's like, I'm not trying to work them up in price. Yep. I'm just trying to find the best one. Yeah. I'm not trying to price gouge the, the tenant because they're not ultimately going to be happy moving in exactly. if they had to enter this bidding war just to get it. Yep. It's like, no, I just want the best person. Yeah. And if they're paying three, $400 more in monthly rent than they had budgeted because they're going to search based on their budget, they're more likely to encounter financial issues later down the line. So maybe six, eight, 12 months is going to be fine, but they're going to be pinched for dollars. So most people don't come in and say, I'm looking for a place that's 2,500 bucks a month, but I can really afford three grand. They're saying, I'm gonna rent as much as I can afford. Right? They know that they're not gonna get cheap places. Rental housing is expensive. They're already pushing their budget in this market. So when you push them even more, they may be able to afford it. They may never default on rent or go into arrears, but the risk is higher. And we often get people asking about you know, rent guarantee programs and things like that. We work with partners who offer rent guarantee programs if you want them, but we don't offer them as standard because what we do is find tenants that get as close to a guarantee as possible. We want to lower that risk profile of that tenant to a point where a landlord feels so comfortable they don't need to pay for a rent guarantee. Yeah, Some people do, which is great. You know, It's an insurance policy that you can buy, but you shouldn't feel like you need one because of all of the dynamics you've put into place for your rental housing. It's so true. If you have a proper tenant screening system, that is all the insurance you need. Yeah, for sure. You've, you've made them jump through so many hoops at that point. They would have to be a professional, like professional con man yeah. to get through it. Like faking social media accounts, faking, yep. you know, 
Google history that comes up about them, yeah. faking credit reports somehow, even though you're running your own credit reports. I don't even know how you would do that. Well, and now they'd have to think bank accounts too. Bank accounts. Yeah. Okay. Because we can actually tap into their bank account through an open bank check with their consent and actually see payroll deposits that come through. We can see rent expense yeah. going out. Are you using Verifast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, then what's your preferred credit check background? Uh, so we do our own through a white labeled provider. Okay. So yeah, I mean, transparently, there's a company called Certain, C-E-R-T-N. Yeah. They are the white labeled service for the large majority of people out there. But we're working on partnerships with TransUnion directly or BorrowWell and directly with Equifax. So we're always evolving for the best credit check out there. But right now, and in the past few years, we've been with Certain. Is Certain the one that Single Key uses? Yes. Yeah, because I noticed yeah. the PDF with yeah. the wheels up top, the <laughs> yeah. color wheels and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's all the same. Just it's all the same. Brand, but yeah. And I just didn't, I was confused as like I kept tracing it back to Certain. Mm -hmm. And then people have asked me in the past, do you use Certain? I'm like, no, I just use Single Key. Like I find right. it the best. Yeah. Maybe for the small landlord. Yep. You guys have your own sole internal system. Yeah, for sure. Setup. Yeah, our system and single key system are both run on the same platform, essentially, or the same backend. Single key is evolving their screening tools more holistically. And we've actually been in partnership with them for rent guarantees and are, are close to them. So we may switch over to them. We may switch to other providers, but they're definitely a, a quality provider to use for small landlords. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how I know you're legit, man, because you're working with like those top tier providers. Like yeah. I actually don't feel confident moving ahead with someone if I haven't done one is single keys, like a hundred percent of people, mm -hmm. but Verifast. Yep. If I haven't run a Verifast bank check report on someone, I just don't have that like core confidence. Yep. Like I need to see the financial health and, and, and their history and the payroll deposits and transactions. Yep. And, and it'll also depend on the type of applicant. So a lot of people come in with their criteria, you know, they need 650 credit score. I need to pull a bank check. I need their ID verified. Um, we often look at it as what is the profile of an individual and what do we need to get certainty on them? So if you're screening someone who's been, you know, a GM employee for 30 years, right? You probably don't need to do the Verifast bank check because they've got pay stubs from the last 30 years and every reference checks out and their credit is good. So we may forego it in that sense. But if we've got gig workers coming through who have six jobs, you know, and they're Uber Eats and, and Skip the Dishes and DoorDash and all of that, we want to see what their bank account looks like and their financial health because yeah. it's so helpful for those people. Yeah. So helpful. Or yeah. someone who's cash, but then they deposit cash in their bank account. Yeah. Um, what are their scenarios? There's so many. I just There's run it on everyone. Yeah. And then like, let's say someone works for the GM, yeah. like you said, it's like, you almost don't even need to see, I mean, yes, you don't even, you know, if they have 30 years of pay stubs and you can go back, sure. But then with the Verifast, you don't even need to see the pay stubs. No. If you go back the past year and it's like every two weeks, GM deposits $3,000. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it's a pretty powerful tool. Yeah. Like you almost don't even need to do the employee reference check right. at that point. Yep. Um, pay stubs are like almost like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. They can be faked. Yep. You know, you can't fake this very fast bank thing. As, yep. as long as you verify that identity up top is their identity yep. on that bank account. For sure. And that's where, you know, technology is evolving to the point where it's making our lives more efficient, our jobs more efficient, but also giving more certainty and transparency to the landlord who's renting to someone. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's incredibly, um, you know, inspiring to see the industry finally shifting. <laughs> like totally. eight years ago when we started this business, there wasn't anyone around that was doing that. And, you know, our inception story was from a website where you had to pay $25 and you would e-transfer the owner of this website $25 to get a Word document of listings in town that didn't have pictures. Wow. So that was eight years ago. And the industry has evolved to now be able to do open bank checks on tenants. 
Um, so in the next eight years, I'm sure things will evolve incredibly. And one of those is that Facebook marketplace will take over. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so yeah. right. Yeah. Just, yeah. That perspective is huge. I remember even just four years ago, uh, when I started here with rockstar, we were mm -hmm. still teaching how to use classified, uh, newspaper ads. Right. And that was a bit dated then. And we kind of had quickly updated the class after that, Yeah. but that was the main thing. Mm hmm and you know, rental housing signs. And I remember my very first rent to own property, I set up direction signs all over, all over like around the two blocks. Yeah. yeah just pointing like rent to own this yeah. way <laughs> and just trying to direct people. And then I had the lawn sign on the front, yeah. which is still, it can be beneficial to have yeah. that lawn sign up front, but the directional signs that would just get taken down by city bylaw. Yeah. It's like, now it's like, no, just master marketplace. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, renewing your ad. Yes. So what does that do when you renew your ad? So it tells Facebook your ad is still relevant. Um, so if you think about it in the Kijiji way, a lot of people used to turn off their ad and then repost to get back on the first page. With Facebook, like I mentioned, that speed of engagement is incredibly important. Um, and the, the duration that your ad is up, you will likely, like the longer your ad is up, you will likely see a drop off in engagement, right? It tapers off first 24, 48 hours is definitely going to be the highest. And then it's going to taper off when it tapers off to a point where Facebook goes, yeah, this isn't really relevant. Maybe it's not even active anymore. Lots of people don't turn off their ads. It drops to a point where Facebook isn't serving that to anyone. So yes, if you look for that three bedroom in a tight area on the Facebook map, your property will still pop up, but it's not organically going to be served to anyone. So the, tr the impressions you'll see will start to drop off by telling Facebook your ad is still active by renewing it, it is bumping it back up. But we found across you know hundreds and hundreds of listings, renewing your listing really only does like a 30% a push, essentially. Okay, that feels right to me. Yeah. I've never tracked it, but that feels right. Yeah, and, and that's a you know, qualitative anecdotal number. Yeah. But you're never going to get back up to that you know, first 24 hour mark. Oh, it's the best. Um, yeah. And like, not to relate it to drugs, but like your first time is always <laughs> your first, your day. first time the best, right? So your first day you will get the most <laughs> traction. Um, and that's why pricing it appropriately is so important because if you mm -hmm. die out in four days because you're overpriced, then, you know, Facebook's going to know that Facebook sees that your ad is not relevant to anyone and it drops you down. And I say down, but it's not down any list. It's just in theory, it serves it to less people. Um, so oftentimes we'll renew an ad once. Usually when we renew, we reboost it again. So again, telling Facebook like, hey, we're still paying for this ad, get it back up there. That pushes it up to like the 60, 70% of your you know, overall traffic. Um, but the best way to really do things is to pull the ad down, let it be down for a little bit, half a day, maybe a day, and repost it, but repost it differently. So you need to repost it with slightly different pictures. Um, and picture order, you should probably change the description. Um, even if you just change the wording, you know, throw it into chat GPT, let it rework that description and put it back up. Um, likely change the price point and just shift some things around because what you want to do is trick Facebook into the fact that this actually is a brand new ad. If you pull it down and repost it, this is completely anecdotal, but it doesn't do as well as a brand new ad. And my theory is that Facebook has all that data stored. And so if the same similar ad is coming from the same user, Facebook knows. And we've had this happen when you try to post multiple ads um, at different price points of the same property. So sometimes we'll try and you know test that price point. Sometimes with some users, like some buy or seller profiles, 
Facebook will identify that it's actually the same ad, even though you've changed up the photos and you've changed up the pricing. So Facebook knows a lot more than it lets on. Um, and you need to constantly evolve to try and trick it to be like, this is a new ad, serve it to people, let them engage with it. Smart, man. That's so smart. So I know that's true because um, I had a listing flag like two weeks ago for discrimination. Okay. And I was like, why? And I think I, cause I had posted, I shared it in um, a St. Catharines for rent group. Yeah. And for whatever reason got flagged yep. and it happened back to back with two listings. So the first time I got flagged, I'm like discrimination. So I, I read through my ad copy, make sure everything's okay. And I mm -hmm. see this one line, I'm like perfect for families right. or something about, I was targeting it, it was a family home, mm -hmm. you know, perfect for families, whatever. I'm like, okay, so maybe some single person, some young, you know, friends saw it and they're like, screw this guy, right. flagging her. So I, I tried um, reposting it with a new description. And so I had changed the ad copy a little bit, mm -hmm. but then it flagged it as the same one. I appealed it, the appeal got denied. Right. And I had no, I'm like, okay, it must've been the family thing. Mm -hmm. So I reposted another one and it, it kept flagging it. This, this listing has been denied. It wouldn't let me post it. Right. And then I, I couldn't even figure out how to delete it after my appeal had been denied. I learned I had to go on the Facebook Marketplace phone app mm -hmm. and you could delete it from there. And I'm like, it took me like two weeks on that one to try and figure this out. I was so frustrated. I was Googling it. How do I delete this thing? Yeah, that's a good point though. So Facebook Marketplace on desktop and Facebook Marketplace on mobile are completely different. Mm -hmm. And most of the time when there's a new feature rolled out, it'll come out on mobile first. Um, we actually found that when when we were trying to get into that program to get a brand page able to post on Facebook Marketplace, doing it in LA, like I was in LA for a trip and I did it through my phone. And for some reason I was able, like I was captured as part of the brand pages that would be allowed to do it by being in LA on my phone. When I did the exact same thing on my computer, it still recognized me as in Canada. Maybe something to do with IP addresses and whatnot. Um, but after that one ad that I posted, Facebook clearly had flagged my account and I was never able to replicate it again. And I've to, always been chasing that. <laughs> to post as a business. <clears throat> to post as a business. Yes. So because can, can I, you make that distinction between you're not allowed to post as a business page right. essentially, but you can post from your personal account. Rental right. housing specifically. Correct. It seems you can post any other product on Marketplace. Uh, yes, not any other product, but they <clears throat> there's a couple categories that they allow and don't allow. Like vehicles, you can post, um, but I yeah, there's a couple other categories that you can't. Yeah. But rental housing, you can't post as a brand page, um, which is important because we've got 22, 26 leasing agents now. Um, they all have to post from personal accounts, right? We would love to be able to post that all as RentPanda, showcase the brand. Unfortunately, Facebook doesn't allow it. But those are the rules that we have to play with Facebook, unfortunately. Yeah, and it comes with, <clears throat> so you can showcase your brand. I think there are some other advantages when I looked into it. Mm -hmm because I was trying to post from like a brand page or whatever, yep. just just to similar reasons. The biggest thing is that Facebook um, sees the potential of brands to pay and gives you a ton of engagement. So as a comparison, when mm -hmm. I posted in LA, a Toronto property from the Rent Panda brand page, I got about 20 times the amount of engagement on that post versus equivalent posts that I had on my personal account. That's insane. Because Facebook wants to promote these brands who likely have more money to pay them, <laughs> right? So it's all in Facebook's favor to give you more impressions if you are a brand page. God. Unfortunately, that's only available in the States. Yeah, I wonder why they're doing, so the rental housing you can mm -hmm. do in the States. I wonder why they're, 
it's weird. They roll everything out to the states first, yep. and then it just takes forever to roll out those same features to, to other countries. And yep. Canada is usually one of those top countries. But yeah, and they've rolled it out to Canada and then pulled it back. And we actually, through a connection, talked to the head of the Facebook Marketplace Rental Housing Program. <laughs> and oh my God, actually, give me his number. I want to have him on here too. I'm for, well, yeah. The both of you He's guys. in San Francisco. But um, I'll fly there. <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting. I mean, he, he divulged very, very little, but he essentially just said, don't put your eggs in this basket because for Facebook, Canada isn't worth investing in. It's not worth investing in those partners. It's not worth watching those brand pages because everyone needs to be monitored in some way, whether it's AI based or manual. Uh, it's not worth it for them. And it's the case with most you know industries. Everyone looks to the States and not Canada just because of the volume. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you can't post. Oh, your point about um, on the app, mm -hmm. you can do a few different things. So it's weird. You can add like little amenities yep. um, that I noticed um, that will then show up on like the desktop ad, mm -hmm. but you can't do that from desktop. Yep. And then you're right about the new features because I went on there to just look at something on my phone and then realized I could post a video yep. like a month ago. I'm yes. like, what the? How long has this been around? Yep. Because that's the one knock against it. You couldn't post your walkthrough video. Mm -hmm onto Facebook. So I would just be, I'd put it on YouTube. Yep. I'd get my, I'd shorten the URL with the little YouTube tool, yep. copy and paste that on my ad. And I put, you know, copy and paste this URL to watch a walkthrough video of this home. Yep. Put it right up front where people could see it, but you couldn't put it within the photos. Right. Now you're allowed a video and then, and it rolled out to desktop yep. like a month later. Right. Yep. And when it started, you could only post a video that you took on mobile in real time. Yeah. So you couldn't even upload a video. It was like you had to open the app and do that. And so when we're doing walkthroughs, we don't necessarily want to do it live and we want to be able to edit and, you know, post a short with some music or things like that. And when it started for the first month or so, I had the same reaction. I was in a property and I just opened the Facebook app and I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Game changer. video. Right? Yeah. And, and it's kind of nice because you like, you know, that hack, but it hasn't rolled out to everyone else yet. Right. So it's like a competitive advantage. Yeah. And the very, very large majority of people still don't use video. You know, video is scary for a lot of people, but that's one of my other tips is video is king. You know, when, and not so much to actually attract those tenants, but Facebook favors video, right? People watch video longer, they engage longer. Oh, God, man, so. everything coming from your perspective of engagement is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> because it's the advertising perspective, right? As an advertiser with, with the mindset of an advertiser, you just want engagement because engagement is the top of the funnel. You know, it comes down to purchase once you can get engagement or like awareness and engagement. But yeah, Facebook only cares about engagement. God. And I mean, think about who they're competing with, right? They're competing with TikTok. They're competing with, you know, YouTube still. So they want as much engagement as possible. So if you're a landlord still doing it yourself, shoot video and upload a video, even if it's a crappy video walkthrough, putting a video walkthrough will tell Facebook your ad is more important than everyone else's and it will serve it to more people. So smart. So right now, if I'm not mistaken, the video can only be one minute long still. I think that's changed. Has that changed? I think so. Yeah, because it was it was crazy. So I had like um, I discovered it on one that I already had, mm -hmm. and uh, Tom's <laughs> Tom's trying to mess me up behind <laughs> you, and he did. Yeah. Um, so I posted a video because I already had the walkthrough video. It's already on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it was in Barry. I'm in Oakville. I didn't want to go to Barry just to film it or whatever. Yep. So I shortened it, I think using iMovie to the one minute. So it was just sped up. Yeah. And I was talking as I did the video, so it was like chipmunk voice and all that stuff, <laughs> right? So it's sped up. Um, but yeah, you were, you were blocked to the one minute that's now changed. I believe so. Yeah. I haven't personally posted in the last 
two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, but I, I will check. Yeah, I'm sure it's... I want to pull it hasn't right changed, now. Yeah, if it hasn't <laughs> changed yet, I'm sure it will. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the one-minute video. Okay, yeah. Tom really did mess me up. I was yeah. going somewhere there. Well, what we do with our videos is you want to cross-pollinate across platforms. So like you said, you know, with YouTube, with Instagram, with Facebook, with other native platforms, what we do is we shoot a long-form video and then we have a quick editing process where we pull it down to essentially a YouTube short, right? We're going to put some graphics on there, three bedroom, one bathroom, you know, beautiful views, great neighborhood. We're going to put some music on there. We're going to create a YouTube short, and then we're going to output that as our one minute video and upload it to Facebook. We're also going to then boost that post and upload it to Instagram reels because reels gets a ton of traffic too. And we're going to upload it to TikTok. And you'd be surprised how many rental inquiries now come through TikTok. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole just yet. Okay. Because we're, we're just exploring it. But TikTok is starting to become a platform where tenants are inquiring into rental housing. That is surprising to me, but also not surprising because Ashley in our office the other day told me like she doesn't, she searches how to do things, like how to make a recipe. Mm -hmm. She now does not use Google. She uses TikTok. Right. And that just blew my mind. I'm like, now it's a search engine. And in the same way YouTube had become one, yep. but I just try to ignore all these things. I'm off all social media. Like I use Facebook to post ads. Yeah. I have an Instagram just to see things. Yeah. I have a Twitter to like ghost follow some some Bitcoin people and stuff. Yeah. But I just try to stay away. But but I'm like, oh yeah, YouTube became a search engine. Mm -hmm. I don't go on Google how to do this. I YouTube it. Right. Exactly. So why would TikTok be no different? It's the next big thing. Yeah. And, and for us, I mean, you look at the general trends in social media, but you can also look at... Uh, the buy and sell market, like the resale market, and especially the luxury market as the start of any trend. So if you look at the luxury resale market, a lot of realtors are on TikTok with walkthrough videos of the home, right? Because they're, they're marketing. It's a platform to market and to build their own brand. So if, if that's the trend now, it's kind of like in the automotive world where it used to be, you look at Mercedes, like the S-Class, to identify the technology that's going to come down to the Honda Civic within 10 years. If you look at luxury housing on the resale market, whatever people are doing to market those properties, eventually it's going to come to the three bedroom basement in Brampton. Mm. Yeah. Like I'm sure like drone footage of a, of a home started with luxury yeah. and has now come down to the, to the regular home to showcase the whole property. Yeah, for sure. Damn. Okay. TikTok. Okay. So yeah. you're boosting it, but how are you boosting to reels to or, Instagram reels? We're not. Oh, I thought you said you were doing that. Or no, you're just, just posting it to Instagram Reels. Yeah, we're as a brand, we're posting it to, to your Instagram brand page. Reels. Okay, so yeah. this isn't going to apply to the small landlord. It may not. Not but, yet, at least. But you would still get more volume on Reels. Like, you don't want to post it to your Instagram feed or anything like that. But Reels will natively go out to a lot more people in the same way that TikTok gets them. So if you're already doing a TikTok, just post it on Reels. If you're already doing a YouTube short, just post it on TikTok. Okay. Yeah. It's one asset that you're developing, so you might as well have those accounts and just post it out. Even if it's only 20 people or 100 people get that impression, it still is worth it. Maybe for those people doing a bit more volume, maybe for those leasing agents who are doing the work, um, maybe not as applicable to the small landlord. But uh, you know, if you're trying to hire a property management company that's doing leasing work and they don't have the full spectrum of all these marketing tools, they're likely not doing everything they can to find you the best tenant. Yeah. The, yeah. The theory should be no stone unturned. Exactly. Like use every resource you have possible. Yep. That's why I still post on Kijiji, even though I absolutely hate it with the passion. Yeah. That's why we post on, uh, on Zumper. Yeah. So same with yeah. Zumper. So I found like a few tenants. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, from there, but it's never like, yeah, nope. and you only need the one, right? But you need the volume to get the one. So you might as well be everywhere. Yeah. And these things are constantly changing just on Zumper. I remember when I first started posting on Zumper, it would post on PadMapper, a bunch of other smaller platforms. I can't even remember. I don't even know if they're around anymore, yep. but then also on Facebook marketplace. Mm -hmm. And now that integration has gone away. Right. So on RenPanda, you can syndicate to Facebook marketplace. And I will say, um, transparently and bluntly, we have a Wizard of Oz approach, right? So for the user, they see that their ad on RenPanda goes to Facebook Marketplace. Facebook is a black box and they constantly change their algorithm. So working with them to automatically, without human intervention, post to Facebook Marketplace is currently, to our knowledge, impossible. <laughs> so we actually have people on the back end, you know, if you pull that, that uh, curtain, you realize that the wizard is just, you know, pulling all the strings and making the smoke and, and things are happening. So we actually just have a team that is managing a Facebook marketplace listing approach for everyone who syndicates through our platform. So it doesn't happen automatically like Kijiji has an API built in where you can actually syndicate properly. Facebook doesn't do that. And we found the cheapest and most efficient way is just to have a person doing it. So we've got a person dedicated to posting to Facebook marketplace for the syndication that you can buy through RentPanda and for our leasing team and for our property management team. And so it makes sense at scale to have someone doing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it is a pain to have to manually do it still. For sure. But then you can share in all those groups. And like, yep. if you really know what you're doing, you can take advantage of all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and the last bit there is, you know, the, um, the speed of engagement is important also from you as a landlord or you as a poster. So if you're on Facebook and you posted your ad and you've got 300 messages and it's Wednesday afternoon, and you're a busy working professional and you say, I'm going to get back to them on Saturday, right? I'm going to wake up Saturday morning, bright and early and get back to all these people. Not only have a lot of these people already moved on and you see your 300, is it still available messages that blow your brain up out of frustration, but Facebook sees you as a seller profile, as less important, less engaging than another seller who posts the property on Wednesday morning. And every time they get a message in, they respond right away. So your speed of engagement with people inquiring is also a factor that Facebook looks at. And so much so that when we first started realizing this engagement idea with Facebook, we had our team post. So any, any individual on our team would post face to Facebook marketplace and notify the rest of the team that they just posted their ad. And the rest of the team would go to that ad and hit, is it still available? And then that person who posted would respond to them with the auto response of just, yes, it is still available. That immediate engagement already pushed those ads higher than everyone else's. More people saw it because that immediate engagement triggers to Facebook that this is a potentially even more engaging ad. So they push it further. Everyone's going to be sending their ads to their friends now after hearing that. <laughs> Pretty much. It only works for a certain amount of time um, because again, Facebook realizes that these 20 profiles are engaging with this one seller and they kind of negate that, but it just shows that quick engagement is really important. So if you're sitting on messages for days on end or even waiting until the end of the day, you know, maybe that's the reality of your life, but you will do better if you can respond right away. Okay. Yep. I want to go back to your renew strategy. Yep. So for anyone who doesn't know, you can renew your ad on Facebook marketplace every seven days, mm -hmm. you bump it up. And I think you're allowed what five, six, seven of those something like before that. it kind of expires. <clears throat> yeah. We never get there. You never get there. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? To yeah. never actually realize. Um, yeah. but so what you're doing is 
you're renewing once you said, and then after that you're deleting and reposting as an entirely new ad as you can make it. So you're switching yep. photo order around, you're switching the ad copy, yep. throw it in chat GPT, say rework this ad, yep. put it up as a new ad. Yep. Okay. Because every time you renew that ad, you know, Facebook is giving you a tool to renew it, but it's also showing Facebook that you know, it's not engaging, right? You, your, your ad is still up, your thing is still for sale. And so it's, it's not something that Facebook is gonna really prioritize getting into people's feeds or getting into their marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's just the reality of, of it, right? You're showing Facebook your cards that this ad is not that important. Okay. Or not that engaging. Now, you also mentioned posting multiple ads mm -hmm. at the same time of the same property. Were you doing that from the same account? Were you doing that from multiple accounts? And I'll just preface that with, I tried doing this strategy myself. Yeah. So I had a buddy's account, my investing partner, and his name on Facebook's just my name now because I didn't want, you know, eight, you know, message from Adrian coming back to them. And then I reach out to the tenant, whatever. So I changed both. So now there's two Anthony Molinaro's posting the same ad. Yep you know, exact same property. I wouldn't even change the ad. At first, I think I was playing around to try and, maybe I changed the, the first photo. Like I, I actually would change it a bit now that I think about it. But I noticed I was getting separate people messaging me on each profile. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I'm getting some extra engagement. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't know, there's no way of knowing like, would those people that messaged me on that secondary profile have just messaged me on the other ad? Right. It's, it's a dangerous game to play. I'd say we've dabbled in it. Um, but oftentimes... Facebook will flag accounts, especially if they're not um, longtime sellers. So my personal profile, for instance, I've sold hundreds of pieces of furniture. We've put up tons and tons of ads. If we have a new leasing specialist come on board and they say, hey, I don't have Facebook, I'm going to create a profile, they can only post, I believe it's two marketplace ads simultaneously, and it takes about a month or two until Facebook allows them to post more. And if they don't have other engagement on that page, if they're just posting to marketplace and no one's, you know, they're not posting at all, no one's commenting on them, they have no friends, Facebook sees that as a potential scam. And so they'll actually flag that. Even people that have been on Facebook for a long time but don't have continued Facebook engagement outside of marketplace, um, they'll get flagged. Like we have one leasing specialist who has five simultaneous ads up and he probably got to the point where he renewed one and it clicked something in the Facebook algorithm and they, they uh, flagged his account. So his marketplace ads were all taken down and he had to create a new account and post them all and we're just waiting for that account to reactivate. So Facebook is dynamic in how it treats you as well. And so you always need to be on your toes and it's not a bad idea to have multiple accounts and be building them both up or all three of them up at the same time. Um, but you have to understand that from a Facebook perspective, they're trying to preserve the sanctity of marketplace. You know, They're trying to stop people from getting scammed while trying to push extra engagement. So you need to be careful about, you know, multiple ads with different price points, um, even something along the lines of, you know, dropping the price of your ad. Facebook kind of allows that and encourages that very easily. You know, if you don't get enough traction in the first, I think it's 10 days, it'll say, when you go into your marketplace profile, it'll be like, do you want to reduce this price? Again, it's, it's about product, right? So if you're not moving product, it's probably because your product is too expensive, whether it's a tennis racket or a rental house. When you do that, in the rental sector, you're flagging to potential tenants that you know you've had to drop the price, unfortunately, and it sometimes acts as like you know blood in the water for sharks, and you'll get people coming through and just you know downbidding your place. They'll be sending you offers for crazy low amounts, um, or the place will just sit dead. So, you know, posting at multiple price points can be 
potentially problematic for your Facebook account, I wouldn't necessarily say that people should do it. I'd say put the effort into a solid pricing strategy before you go to market and then test that and, and go to the extra effort of just pulling the ad down and reposting it mm-hmm. unless you're doing like a ton of volume and you've got multiple accounts to play with. Yeah. yeah. It did feel like a dangerous game to me because I'm like, man, marketplace is driving all my leads. I don't want to uh, mess with the system here. And my name had was the same. I had changed it and the ad was pretty similar. And so I, I stopped it. And I also, it was also just annoying switching from profile to profile yeah. to copy and paste, you know, answer all those leads. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did notice, which I also want to ask you about is sometimes I would post an ad and it wouldn't show up on the map, mm-hmm. which is a common criticism yeah. or complaint or a question about this black box, why is my ad not showing up on the map that I get a lot from Rockstar members. Yep. And so I noticed one of my ads would show up on the map and then on the other profile, it, it wouldn't show, or sorry, the first one wouldn't, the other one would show. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't get this map thing at all. Sometimes it shows, sometimes it doesn't. But even when I had ads up and then I've gone back and searched for it on the map and I don't see it, I'm still getting enough volume. Right. And just like you said, like now I know if I'm priced appropriately based on the volume. Because yep. once you've done so many, you know it takes X amount of leads to get X amount of people going through a pre-screening process, to get X amount of people out of showing, to get X amount of, you know, so on, so on. We, we had the exact same thing happen because naturally we're working for clientele. And when we post the ad, you know, we send them off one of the ads on one of the platforms and say, here it is, right? Take a look at the beautiful photography. If you have a friend come to you and they want to rent the place, send them here. We usually send them the Rent Panda ad because that's the one that we can control the most. But, you know, landlords will then go on Facebook Marketplace because we say we're on these platforms and they'll go on the map and say, I don't see my ad and they'll get real pissed off. (laughs) And that black box is still yet to be understood <laughs> yet to by be us. Cracked. Um, but I would, I, mean, I sound like a, I'm, a, you know, a, uh, beating a dead horse here, but I would assume it has to do with engagement. And in the same way that when you look at the list view, you're not going to see every single property. And when you refresh that list view, you're going to see different properties. And Facebook is serving you the properties that it thinks is relevant to you. That's what's happening on the map too. But also their map is a relatively new product and I found it just to be glitchy sometimes. So sometimes you'll load it up and try and actually open the little like, you know, circles of the price points. Sometimes the properties will open up, sometimes they won't. It won't actually jump down to the list view on the side that correlates to that property. There's some like, you know, sketchiness happening with the map view right now. I would assume it's going to be worked out. But the map, in my opinion, works in the same way that the list view does in terms of serving you based on relevancy. Yeah, that's that's very smart thinking. I think you're right. I think part of it's glitchy. Yeah. And then part of it is also the map view list view. It yeah. does make sense because you know, and not just other not just on Facebook Marketplace but on other sites too, you switch from list view to map view. And you know, I can't think of anything offhand, but then but then if it all is engagement driven, then if it doesn't, if it's not showing up on list when it should, then why would it show up on map? Same thing. Yeah, for sure. And especially if you don't pinpoint criteria that you're looking for. Um, but either way, like, unfortunately, it's one of those where we have to explain to our clientele, like, sorry, we can't control Facebook, but it is there. Like, here's the listing. <laughs> it is on Facebook. But they'll think about it like Kijiji because a lot of landlords, you know, that was the holy grail of, of postings five, six years ago. And they'll say, like, how do I get on the first page? And it's just like Facebook is a different environment. It's like saying, how do I get on the first page of TikTok? Well, there is no page. <laughs> it's just it's what is relevant to people. Yeah, this is like mind blowing for me because I just have never clearly thought about it. The online classified, you know, 
old school Kijiji angle versus it's all algorithm based now. Right. And, and we used to talk about it in the marketing world or advertising world as advertising to one, right? You're no longer just creating this, this entity and pushing it out to the masses. Facebook is trying to hone in advertising to be as relevant as humanly possible to a single individual and understanding that individual with data points that we haven't even ever thought about allows them to hone in and hone in and hone in and eventually, you know, serve them up an ad in their retina that's applicable to something that they're looking at in the real world. Like, you know, in this world, you need to advertise to the single individual. And that's why when we talk to landlords, identifying the tenant profile that you think is going to be the person who eventually rents your place is so important because I'm sure you can lament, but how many times have landlords said, oh, well, I've got this, you know, two bedroom basement. It's perfect for you know, young professionals and families and seniors. And, you know, as long as they don't smoke and don't have pets, I'm cool with that. <laughs> and it's like, that's not helping anyone. Let's identify who's actually going to be attracted to the property. So who's going to be attracted to that two bedroom basement? probably like new immigrant young professionals or a small family who's, you know, blue collar workers or two international students who are vying for their PhDs. Like mm -hmm. you need to identify a tenant profile, a new couple moving out together yeah. for the first time out of their parents' house. Exactly. Right. People not who, the senior couple who are going to have to walk down those stairs and yeah. have worked their whole life to not be living in a basement apartment. Yeah. And maybe it's that young couple and you really want to hone in on that young couple because they're going to use one bedroom to live in. One bedroom is the office, but that bedroom is too small for the kid that they're eventually going to have in two years. And so that's the perfect tenant because you want someone who's going to be turning over in two years so you can raise the rents. Yeah. Like really honing in on that tenant profile is so important. We may not always be able to find it, but we're at least searching for it and we're crafting our advertising for it. Yeah. And sometimes you can just like stumble on a tenant profile that, that comes in and you're like, Oh, this would work. Right. You know, I didn't really think of this exactly. But like this actually does fit. Yeah. But on the flip side, I will say my, my like rant is a lot of people in the midterm rental game these days, try and pinpoint a niche demographic that is too small. So they'll say, Hey, I've got a, a midterm rental. It's fully furnished. And I'm looking for a visiting professor because I'm near the University of Guelph. Well, do you know how many visiting professors come in every cohort? Like three, right? So is, <laughs> is your property going to attract one of those three? And are all three of them going to be renting? And is your property right for them? And like, it's it's a, a game that you have to play where the, there has to be a niche, but the niche has to be big enough to actually fill the property. And to your point, you have to be open to other tenant profiles, tenant demographics that may make sense. Yeah. Just give it some thought. Yeah. Like just think, yeah. okay, who's attracted yeah, to your point? Right. Who, who's actually attracted to this? Right. But a lot of people, they even craft their ads from a landlord perspective, right? They're like, this is a beautiful three bedroom place. And I'm looking for, you know, these types of people, no, you know, no kids, no pets, no smoking. Like when, when yeah. have you last seen a Nike ad for, you know, a, a basketball shoe being like no football players, no tennis players, no soccer players. Yeah. You we know. don't want you, 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 yeah, you or you. Exactly. No, you have to attract the people you do want, not repel the people you don't want. Yeah. And it's just a marketing principle that I learned from Tom that he's constantly reminding me of that. You always want to remind people of what they get, not what they don't get. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't want to be saying, you know, minimum 700 credit score is a plus tenant, like all these things. It's like, that's what we're going for. Anyways, yeah. you're going to screen for that. You don't need to say it because right. you, you Honestly, you sound like a bit of an asshole anyways yeah. when you say all that stuff. My favorite is people who go, you know, I'm looking for a triple A tenant. Well, as a past tenant and having dealt with thousands of tenants, no one is searching on Facebook Marketplace going, 
I'm, I'm a C plus, right? I'm looking for, where's that ad that says I'm looking for C plus tenants. No one self identifies as a crappy tenant. Yeah. So you need to attract the good tenants, not repel the bad tenants and, you know, put that effort into the marketing of that ad. That's why professional photos, videos, a good written ad, all of those are so important to attract the right people. Okay. How do you weigh the importance of photo and video versus the ad copy? I'm interested in your opinion. Photo and video is 95% of the game. Dude, put it there. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, again, if you think about the tenants, right? Think about it as a tenant experience. You are, you have a product and you're trying to attract a customer, right? So that customer is walking through the mall and they need to desperately buy a pair of shoes, right? So they're gonna run into Browns and run into Nike and run into shoe company and run it, and they're just trying on shoes and trying on shoes and trying on shoes. That's what tenants are doing. Like everyone thinks about trying to find the best tenant. Well, has everyone, anyone ever thought about the tenants who are sitting after a long day's work at their computer, searching thousands and thousands of rental properties, hitting that, is it still available button? Because Facebook has taught them that that is an appropriate way to inquire about a rental. Or maybe they're an amazing tenant that has a pre-canned message that says, I love your property, here's a little bit about me. But they are sending that out to hundreds of people. And to your comment about vacancy rate, the vacancy rate is incredibly low, which means that these people have very small chances of getting those units. And they're dealing with landlords who ignore them and ghost them and ask them for all this information up front that they may not be comfortable revealing. So as a tenant, it's incredibly hard to find a rental house. And so they are blasting out messages over and over and over again. If you think about it from their perspective, they're not reading, right? The reality is, is they're not reading. And I start with crafting the ad um, and, and coaching our, our team on crafting the ad where we want bullet points, right? And not to shit on realtors again, but the flowery language that's involved in a buy and sell, you know, saying it's it's a beautiful, you know, three-story home that's got vintage this and airy this and great space. And all of that flower is just stuff that people skim over and don't read. And it's taking up space. And then landlords get frustrated when tenants reach out to them and don't understand the basic information that's part of that listing. So for us, you write a one-liner, you know, this three-bedroom home in Thornhill is available July 1st, and then say the details you need to know, and it's about the details. There's nothing flowery about it. We don't need to say, you know, it's a three-minute walk to the nicest, most beautiful parks in the city. It's just about the facts, and the photos and the videos will get people interested. So your first photo or your first video, hopefully, <laughs> is the most important. And also think about like your, your first frame of that video. So maybe you don't start the video from the front door walking in. Maybe you start the video from the beautiful grand living room that you're going to shoot. And you can go backwards or the master bedroom or the beautiful deck that overlooks the river, whatever it ends up being. So you want to make sure that those starting points attract people because they're looking at that list view or even that map view. And it's the first thing that they're going to see. And they're just think about everyone skimming hundreds of listings. How do you make yours stand out? It's not with the ad copy. It's the photos and the videos. Yeah, that's such a smart tip about starting the video with the most important frame. That's one I'm going to implement for sure. Yeah, and people think about that with photos naturally. You know, you put your best the most attractive forward. one. Yeah. yeah, I do that with everything else, but right. one of my videos, I haven't been doing that. Right. I've been starting outside of the house. Or yeah, exactly. And sometimes the front of the house is an attractive asset. Yeah. Sometimes it does yeah. make sense. Like but, if I think about it, I probably have optimized for that, but yeah. it's something I want to consciously think about now. Yeah. But if you're, if you're advertising a basement unit, any basement unit, no one cares about the outside of the house. Yeah, exactly. Right? Cause you're coming in. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. And your competition could be an apartment building yep. down the street, another two bedroom apartment. And they're not starting with the outside of the building. Yeah. Like most of those buildings look like crap anyways. Yep. It's just like they're starting from the inside of the unit. How updated is it? Yeah. Because there's so many old apartment buildings in Ontario that just don't look good, but the inside could be totally renovated and yep. beautiful and have all these amenities. But you know, so you're starting with that, like that's your competition. Yeah. That's an amazing point that you just skimmed over too, is that most landlords, when they're pricing their property, they look at comparables, right? And when they think comparables, they think two-bedroom basement, what are other two-bedroom basements going for? But when you think about the tenant profile, if that's a young couple who works from home who needs an office space, they're also looking at those two-bedroom apartments or the two-bedroom condos or the two or the one plus one condos. Or maybe they're looking at a three-bedroom home that's down the street that's actually in the same price point. Um, you know, maybe it's a townhouse or a row house. So most people just look at comparables as the exact same property that they're doing, not from the tenant perspective of, you know, what makes sense for my lifestyle to rent. And, and they may be renting different asset classes. Yeah. Smart, man. Um, okay. There's so much to go through. <laughs> Keep thinking we all these questions. We could go for a long time. Um, yeah. What I always have taught people in the rent your home class here at Rockstar is like, that number one, the thumbnail photo is the most important because that's like the ad for your ad. Mm -hmm. So people are going to click that. Then it's most attractive or whatever. And um, where was I going with this? There's so many questions I have for you. Oh, they're only looking at your ad copy if they like what they see in the photos. To your point, they're looking through so many ads. They're skimming, they're skimming, they're skimming. They're only even going to read the ad copy if they're interested. Like, damn, this place is beautiful. It looks like perfect fit for us. Right. Let me see the actual details. Yep. Right. And then on Facebook marketplace, I noticed this specifically is like the ad copy is, uh, so horizontal and long. Mm -hmm. It's not like Kijiji where you have this wide page mm -hmm. where you can, you can get away maybe with more of that flowery language with the paragraphs and stuff that are, you know, hard to read. Yep. Um, but on Facebook, it's like this long, narrow thing. And I know a lot of people are looking on their phone and, but it still is like long and narrow. Right. There's a, a crazy stat and I'm going to misrepresent it, but it is in the 90s percentile or the 90s of people on Facebook marketplace are browsing on their phone. So it's it, that high. It's eh? almost irrelevant to craft your ad based on how it's going to look on desktop. It's just, it's so mobile heavy, even on Rent Panda, which is like more old school in platform because of where we are. Like people in Thunder Bay are more desktop than mobile people in Sault Ste. Marie and we're across Ontario. So it is weighted. But um, we're upwards of 70, 75% of people are on mobile. When you think about Facebook as an app, like as a native app, it's in the 90% of people are on mobile, not on desktop. So it's, it's all about crafting it for a quick, you know, scannable experience. And if you think about how quick people swipe through any experience these days, you want to make sure that something stands out, something stops people in their tracks so that they actually engage with your ad. And then the, the other little thing that we're trialing as of, July 1st, essentially, is video responses to people. So a lot of times, landlords will think about them and their asset as being in charge, right? I've got this asset, you got to come to me, you got to divulge all your information. But putting it on the tenant side, tenants want to know who they're renting from, that they're not going to be scammed, because there are lots of scams out there these days. Um, so we're actually trialing responding to those, those inquiries with a video saying, hey, Anthony, thanks for inquiring about my property. Here's a couple of details about it. Can you please share some information with me? You know, either through video or go to this you know profile or this uh, application link and fill it out. And we think that the conversion rate will increase dramatically once we respond in video format. 
Oh, very smart. Yeah. So would that be stuff that you would be including in your ad copy normally or still would, but then also included in the video or just um, more so personal details you wouldn't necessarily have on the ad copy? Like we would probably reiterate things that we've already said in the ad copy because no one reads the ad copy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And by doing that, by even crafting a video that can be, you know, relatively easy to blast out to people. We know we don't have to say names. We can just say, Hey, thanks for inquiring. You know, here's a quick recap of the property. Can you please go to this link or can you share a video back with some information about yourself? It saves us time in showing people the place who haven't read the copy are thinking it's something it's not maybe aren't going to fill out that profile, but because they're going through many, 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 many listings and don't have the time to, but it shows that we give a shit enough for them to give a shit. So we want to elicit a positive response from people and see, this is just a test for us, but see if we can get higher conversion with better quality people with video format. And it's been in the HR world forever, right? Like there's not forever, but for the last 10 years, there's been video modules and video introductions and video submissions for applications. It's time that we, we at least trial it in the rental space. Mm, Smart. Because thinking of this example of uh, duplex that I just finished the lease for this morning before work and congrats. Yeah. Thank you. It's always the best feeling, right? Take no, the best feeling is taking the ads down and it's like, I don't have to respond to these people anymore. Fair it's enough. done. Yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah. The, the archive, these conversations button on. Yes. Facebook archive. Is, yeah. yeah. You've got like 20 unanswered messages. You're like, Nope. Yeah. Archive. Rent it out, man. Yeah. yeah. Cause you just get so burnt out by these things. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. When people are reaching out, there's personal details about the property that they have that they're questioning you on, like who's the landlord, mm-hmm. you know, how available is the, um, uh, who's living upstairs. So that was the one with the duplex. Yep. Um, like who's living upstairs. Uh, so the person was moving into the main unit from BC and they had lived in a duplex before with a, a big heavy guy upstairs mm-hmm. and he was just kind of stomping around and yep. pretty heavy set guy. So he, they were like, you know, what's the tenants like size? Like how big are they? And it was like kind of weird. Right. But I'm like, Oh, it's like a, I had filled that upper unit right before. So I'm like, it's this petite girl. She's right. really nice. She's 27 <laughs> working professional, yep. very, very nice girl. And, uh, so I had been telling, so uh, yeah, so these personal details, you can almost put in a video, like mm-hmm. here's who the other tenants in the property are. Like that's a huge one with duplexes and multi-units. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the layout, you know, the backyard shared, you know, stuff you could have in the ad copy, but there's more personal stuff you wouldn't want to put like the details about the other tenant, who they are, their lifestyle, what they do that that tenant does want to know. And they're always asking you at the showing. Yeah. And it's human nature, right? If, if you give a hundred percent, you're more likely to get a hundred percent back. And we found that with answering those, is it still available messages? If we say it is still available, 80% of those conversations just die. If we say it is still available, you know, if you're interested in the property, please let me know these four key pieces of information. You know, the conversion rate goes up a little bit. If we say, hey, go to this link, but here's what you're gonna have to do at that link and I'd love to show you the place and you start to engage them, the conversion rate goes up even more. And so the theory is, is if we push out all of this effort to engage people with a video, they don't have to know it's canned and they don't have to know we're sending the same video to 150 people. But if that effort is perceived, the theory, the hypothesis is that that same effort will be reciprocated with the quality tenants that we want. Mm. Yeah. Unless someone's in marketing, they're not going to know that videos can probably, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Or it'll just be AI based and we'll like write scripts out and they'll just, Oh my God, give it another 10 years. The way <laughs> not things even. are going. Oh, there's, there's some software out there already that can, uh, can do those videos for you. Like there's, there's virtual video presenters that you can 
essentially download feed a script to and it'll look like a real person presenting yeah yeah oh my gosh we're gonna trial a couple of those (laughs) good for you guys you guys are integrating all this new technology and really leveraging it instead of being afraid of it and you're not afraid to try new things and it's like just think about how much more efficient you guys are as a total company with all these leases on the go and how much more sure you are in the tenants that you're selecting with all these tenant screening tools that have come out yeah and I get so frustrated when like there's a friend of mine and he still only posts ads on Kijiji. He's like, ah, I just don't get this marketplace thing. I'm right. like, you're doing a disservice to the people that you're helping. Like you're just on Kijiji. Yep. You need to be on marketplace. Like, I don't even know how you're getting people from Kijiji. You must be underpricing. Right. Like, and you're spending all this money. I'm like, you could be doing it so much more efficiently. Even the dollars that you're going to spend on Facebook are going to go way further than the ones on Kijiji. Yeah. And this is why it's so important to actually track where you're getting your winning tenant. Yeah. Because then you know where to invest your time, resources, and energy into learning the platform, spending money on the platform, listening to this podcast to learn more about Facebook. Yep. And and it's it's why we exist as a company. You know, there's not a lot of leasing specific companies or rental specific companies and that's why we've dubbed ourselves as the rental experts or we've branded ourselves as the rental experts because we are committed to honing in our expertise on the rental industry and all of the tools that are available that are coming available for the rental industry even if landlords are just going to use them on their own or if those landlords are honest with themselves and say I don't have time to learn this. I'm not going to learn this. I'm not a tech enabled person, or I just don't care. I just want to post on Kijiji. They can just hire us, right? They can just say, sure, hire Panda. We'll charge you one month's rent. We'll get it done or 10% off if you're a rockstar member, but we'll get it done in the best way possible. And I can either do it myself or I can hire out the experts to do it. And it'll also, I fundamentally believe this, but it'll also push our industry forward, right? The world of property management is so archaic. It is run by old school property management companies. And so by introducing some innovation into the space, we will slowly but surely, but we will push the entire industry forward. And that's how innovation happens in any space. It just has been a laggard in the in the real estate space in general, but primarily in the rental space. Have you heard the quote? I think it's by Mark Andreessen that software is eating the world. I haven't. It's just so true. Yeah. It's eating everything. Like it's dematerializing everything. Yeah. Yeah. The the saving grace for us is that people always want to deal with people. And especially in the real estate world. It's not unanimously true, but we found that the relationships that we're able to build, and you probably find this too with leasing work or the real estate work in general, people very much enjoy the trust that is built when you have a one-to-one relationship. And with Rent Panda, we're trying to instill that from a brand perspective so that if you're working with Anthony or Hart or any other leasing specialist on the Rent Panda team, you're dealing with Rent Panda as a we. Um, but it still feels personable and and relationship building. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's not going to go away no matter the software. And it's why we, we're tech enabled and we're not just a technology company anymore because people want to do business with people. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important what you guys are doing with your leasing agents, which is they're working from start to finish yep. on that property. <laughs> yep. From dealing with the landlords, if I'm correct, yep. right? To posting their ad, to responding to the leads to that ad, to doing showings, yep. to screening, to then signing the lease, facilitating all that. Yep. It's important to have someone end to end because there's so much miscommunication that can get lost and stuff. And I know this For because sure. I was doing a lot of tenant placement with the buddy and we had tried splitting it up mm-hmm. where, you know, he was answering leads and doing showings, but then I was putting ads up and, um, 
what was I doing? And the background checks and then the lease signings, but there's so much miscommunication that we quickly realized, okay, it doesn't work like this. Yeah. You need to have someone end-to-end -end dealing with that person. And then to your point, landlords and tenants are gonna be much happier to just work with that one-on-one -on -one person and have that relationship. Yeah, and I think that's a good point about the tenant side, because we're always focused on the landlord side, but when a quality tenant comes through the home, we essentially position ourselves as representing them as much as we're representing the landlord. You know, the landlord is our client, yes, but that tenant comes through and if they're missing documents or they don't understand the process, but we know that they're quality tenants, we will spend as much time with them preparing their application, getting their documents in order, you know, maybe even delaying, you know, sending through applications of other people who are like ready on it because we're supporting them in their journey. And we've gotten a ton of five-star reviews from tenants who we've helped find homes but we're not representing the tenants. We are just helping them through the process. And that's where that personal experience comes through. And for us, that's where, you know, it breaks the model of a tenant's realtor and a landlord's realtor dealing together, right? You don't need two of those. We're playing the part of both. And it also breaks the model where you just have, you know, property management companies typically with leasing divisions, right? And so you'll have head office who processes applications and they're processing applications based on quantitative data, nothing to do with qualitative data. And we teach our team that when you're at the showing, you know, you got to look how someone presents themselves, how they smell, yes. whether they take off their shoes when they come in unprompted. We don't put up, please take off your shoe, shoe signs. We see if they take off their shoes unprompted. You know, we tell them to park on the street, not on the driveway. Do they listen to those instructions? Call us upon arrival. Don't knock on the door. Do they listen to those instructions? All of those qualitative metrics are so important that when you have a leasing department evaluating applications, it just doesn't work. You have to have that person end to end and you have to have a person who's done leasing. Like you've done enough leases that you can probably look at someone when they walk through the door and without being biased or stereotypical, you can tell whether they're going to be a quality tenant or not. Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, intrinsic feeling is what so many landlords went on for years and years and years. It was like the gut check. But if you don't have that experience, then hire someone who does have that experience so that they can bring that qualitative to the to the table, not just the quantitative. That intuition is so important. And over time, it's just, I mean, there's so many variables happening that you, you I couldn't even articulate yeah. why I know that that person's not going to be the right fit as right. soon as they walk in the door. Yeah. Or this, this is it. Yeah. I got a good one. Yeah. We, talk to them. We used to talk about ourselves as matchmakers, right? Because... And, and it's a harder matchmaking journey than just, you know, a couple because you're actually trying to matchmake a landlord, a tenant and a property. So you're the matchmaker of this weird love triangle <laughs> and it has to work. Um, and it's hard Very sometimes. True. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of investment. And, and but, you know, our belief is that it, it can be a solid business and we can help landlords landlord better. Yeah, and just the way you're smiling about and stuff, man, like I, I know that same feeling. It's so gratifying helping both sides. Yeah. That that love triangle. You're helping the property out, you're helping the people out. Yeah. Like the the lease that I closed this morning, it's this uh couple from BC mm -hmm. and they're moving to Ontario. They got big dreams, they're actually professional MMA fighters. Oh like on the side, yeah, but like super legit uh day jobs and stuff. And um they were so happy yep. that I helped them out because they're like, here's the thing with tenant placement. Everyone's stressed. Yeah. The tenants are stressed. They're on a timeline. They're trying to get the best. Like, moving is a huge decision. Where you live and the house you're going to live in is a massive decision. Yeah. Now, couple that with timelines and a new job starting and all these big life changes that are happening. Mm -hmm. The landlord is stressed because they just spent so much money on this property. It's their biggest investment, maybe from their own property. Yeah. Or maybe they're an experienced investor. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. It's a huge investment. 
And they're, you know, especially in Ontario with the landlord tenant board and the way things have gone, like you have to be so careful with who you're selecting. Yeah. So they're stressed out and then they've got their high carrying costs because interest rates are up and you're dealing with all this stress. And uh, it's just something you do grow a thick skin to, yeah. but it is so gratifying at the end of the day to help people. And it makes all those people commenting on your Facebook posts and those groups, it <laughs> makes it worth it all because you really help people at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. And you're like, you can ignore all that. Like I am helping people, Yeah. you know, like... It just is what it is. I also no longer feel bad about turning people down. You obviously hear a lot of like sad stories mm -hmm. and you never know what percentage are true or how much embellishment, but there is, I'm sure, a lot of truth to a lot of them. Yeah. Or sometimes the people you turn down, you just feel bad for their situation in life. But the way I look at it is like, if you were hiring for a job, you're turning down all these other applicants, just selecting the one, but you have a moral duty to do that. Yeah because you wanna set that person up for success. Yep. You wanna set up your company for success. Maybe it's your own business. You wanna, like you have kids to feed. Like mm -hmm. you wanna set everyone up for success. You have a moral duty to turn down everyone who's not gonna be the best fit for that job. And I think it's the same way with the property, whether you're leasing it out, whether you're hiring Rent Panda to lease it out. Yep. You have a moral obligation to set yourself up and everyone else up for success so that you can be the best version of yourself. They can be the best version of themselves because that ultimately serves the world. Yep. And there's going to be rental housing for those other people. Maybe. <laughs> now that I say it, I'm like, maybe not. Like we're in a housing crisis here, but I still think you need to just not fall for any sort of story, not bend on your criteria or your intuition yep. and not feel bad about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our belief and our core value is that everyone can be a landlord. And as you know, cliche as that may sound, or as lofty as that may sound, I think landlords, well, first and foremost, landlords are housing providers, right? I think the word has a ton of stigma, the word landlord. And ultimately, everyone who is landlording or a real estate investor is providing housing. And to your point, there's a housing shortage. The more people that we can enable to be housing providers, the the closer we will be to a solution to this problem, however far away it is and however much government intervention or private intervention is needed. But we are all housing providers. And if we as a small business here can play a part in enabling more people to be housing providers, we can be working towards that solution. And I completely agree. Like there, there needs to be innovation in the space. We need to support this industry to get more people into housing and the vacancy rate is low, but those places that are sitting for 45 days, for 60 days, they should have been rented within a week. If the vacancy rate is so low, they should have been rented at the right market rent. They should have been marketed to the right people. And that's a month where someone sat without a house who could be in a house. So existentially, like there is a housing problem and we can all play a part in it, however small. Um, and for us, it's about getting tenants into the right homes, getting good tenants for good landlords at fair market rent that makes sense for investors numbers and really just pushing that out with more tools and more services that can make more people become landlords. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The media narratives and the debate going on that's, that's happening more and more as the destruction of the middle class happens here yeah. between landowners, you know, investors and then tenants renting the homes. Like it's easy to take those headlines at surface level, mm -hmm. but if you've ever been a landlord or housing provider yourself, you're realizing you are providing a social need. You are providing that house that maybe they don't want to buy their own house or they're not in a position to buy and yep. you're solving this great problem for them. Yep. Like it's not that you're just taking the house off the market for that person that could be buying the house. Right. Yes, because we do have a reduced short supply of homes, but you're also solving someone else's problem. Yep. So it kind of balances each other out 
from that perspective. Yep. And then who's creating all the units? It's investors yep. buying homes, splitting them up into duplexes, creating more rental stock, yep. things that the government could never do. Yet the landlords always get the short end of the stick. And it's like, you know, I kind of get it. Like landlords are profiting from this, mm -hmm. but that's their financial incentive to do this right. in the first place. Like that's how capitalism works. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's the fundamentals of supply and demand. And it's been talked about in many, many podcasts before, but the reality is, is the more housing, like we work with small landlords, small landlords account for about 68% of all rental housing in the country. So most people think about the big towers in Toronto and just the big property management companies that have thousands of units, the small landlord provides the majority of housing stock. And if you look at that pushed out for 10, 20 years, the small landlords are likely going to be the solution to the housing problem and densification. But I think a lot of people getting into the game because of the way that prices are, are pushing their rentals too far. Um, so you say like the, the you know, demise of the middle class, I often talk about the missing middle from a rental housing perspective, because most people will come in, you know, they'll take that single family home, do that up down duplex, maybe have an idea for an ADU in the back, but they will put every fit and finish into those places, both the up and the lower of that duplex to make it attract the highest quality tenant. And the reality is, is there's a lot of really good tenants who don't necessarily care if there's a dishwasher in the unit, who don't necessarily care for quartz countertops, throw a laminate countertop in there, create housing that is more affordable to build and therefore more affordable to rent out, and it will get rented out really well. And I can speak from personal experience where my wife and I bought our house, we created a basement unit, and we didn't go over the top. We ripped out the ceiling because there was ugly drop ceiling. We put in the proper soundproofing. We built a proper door on the front and we left the old Portuguese tomato making kitchen in the basement. <laughs> and we had 300 inquiries within the first 24 hours or whatever it was. Um, but the reality was, is we could have ripped it all out. We could have put in a beautiful kitchen, spent a lot of money, raised the value of the home and put it up at top market rents. But we created a very good place for someone to live in our two-bedroom basement, um, and it got rented out quickly, and it pays half of our mortgage, and it's it's housing stock that is so in need. Yeah, and I think like anything, it comes down to the individual mm -hmm. and your moral character. Are you know with landlording, it's a great responsibility, and are you going to use it wisely? Are mm -hmm. you going to use it for good? Or are you going to use it f for evil? You know, great responsibility comes with great power, and you know, just be a good landlord. Yep. Just be a good landlord and then you're providing a need. But if you're being a slumlord, then yeah, of course. Yeah. Like you're not doing society any favors. Yeah. And landlords should listen to podcasts. They should educate themselves. They should learn how to be a good landlord. And part of that is, you know, learning how to screen people effectively and transparently and learning how to write an ad and take a good photo or hire someone that can. So a lot of that is available these days, whereas they weren't five, six, ten years ago. Yeah. yeah, it is unfortunately one thing like you can educate yourself so much, but then you got to go out and do it and you are going to make mistakes along the way. And yep. over time you do learn from those mistakes and you're going to get, you can get burned sometimes. Yep. Like that's what mistakes do. They cause pain, but that's, that pain is the indication you did something wrong. You need to adjust. And yep. so it's, it's something you just have to accept and be aware of it if you are going to fill properties on your own, or you should, yeah, really do your due diligence to find someone who really knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I want to see if I have any more specific Facebook cool. questions here. Um, with ads, as soon as they're coming in, you're recommending responding to get that engagement. Yeah. As immediately as possible. Okay. Um, what else do I have here? Um, reviews. So I noticed for, re oh, how, how's this one? Um, 
people scared of posting on their personal accounts because of privacy reasons. Mm-hmm. I always tell them like, just lock your Facebook down, like make it as private as possible if, if that's something you're concerned with. Yeah. And I would say if you're really concerned about that and you have a vacancy coming up in nine months, start a new Facebook account now <laughs> and start to build the rapport of that account with Facebook for that next vacancy coming up. But yeah. speaking of sell some chest freezers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get that engagement out. I bought mine for a cold plunge and then sold it to an Air Canada pilot who was using it to store a uh, goat for his goat roast up in, uh, in Owen Sound. Oh, wow. That, you were using it as a cold plunge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how would that work? Fill it up. You seal it up. You fill it up with water. You turn it on. You can let it get down to about two degrees. Make sure to unplug it before you get in. Yeah, I was going to say. And uh, a big block of ice. Yeah, no, just cold water. Yeah. But long story short is make sure your Facebook profile is set up in the way that it can be an advertising tool for you. Um, But for for those who are scared of it, I've posted probably 150 places on my personal profile and our entire team of leasing specialists have done it on their personal profiles. And we have never had someone come knock on our door or an egg thrown at our house or any sort of, um, you know, actual malice caused other than one or two times someone prank phone called me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mine was only that one comment. Watch out for Anthony Molinaro. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty harmless. <laughs> Trolls move on. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lastly, um, what are you seeing in the rental market right now overall trends? Um, Does it seem like price rent increases that we saw in the last few years have slowed down a bit to you? Yes and no. Um, I'll do the annoying thing and say it depends on overall market market, niche within niche. So give me the, give me your overall market snapshot. You can talk about different niches. Just, just give me some information because it it is changing it has changed for sure. And I think, um, the reality that we're seeing is that the quarters and the months are much more variable than the overall year, right? So when you see rental projections and rental data, it's usually aggregated over the course of a year. Um, Q4 of last year, for instance, was terrible. We, we couldn't move properties. Rents were low. There was no good tenants out there. Everyone was a terrible profile. We had no idea what was happening. Q1 started to come back. Q2 was much, much better. But I will say overall, rents aren't increasing as fast as they were beforehand. In some markets, they are stagnating for sure. In other markets, in certain asset classes, they're actually dropping, especially like executive housing, big single family homes aren't going for the crazy amounts that they were beforehand. Okay. Um, I'm so happy you're saying this. Yeah. Cause it's like confirming things yeah, and making sure. me feel like I'm, you know, doing a good job. It's good for me too, because talking to someone else who's in the same market. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost yeah. like afraid to say what I'm seeing. Cause yeah. in case you're like, no, that's actually totally wrong. What <laughs> right. you're doing is wrong. Right. But, and what you'll okay. probably find is all of that information is very different than what you'll receive from MLS data or realtors posting a few properties here and there. Cause when you do volume, you see the true trends. Um, and like we were seeing trends like Welland, for instance, right? Welland was super hot and single family homes in Welland were like dropping in price. And we we're like, what is going on here? And there just wasn't the tenant profile looking for that anymore. And the reality was, is like people moved out of the GTA during the pandemic. They were, they had Toronto money or GTA money to invest in other markets. So they were able to spend more on rental housing. But now that that's less of a trend, you know, that, that housing isn't as in demand. So therefore the same supply means less of a price. Mm. Also, as, as things get more expensive, less people can, ex- can afford those expensive things. So rent is going up. And therefore when someone is looking at the equation of, do I move? 
that equation becomes more biased towards, I'm going to stay in my current place with lower rent. And so less people are taking that plunge and moving. And we see so many people these days who are moving and, you know, reason for moving on their application is because the landlord is moving back in, whether it's true or not. People aren't just moving. I mean, they are, but less people are moving these days because they want to move, because they want to go experience a new place, because they want an upgrade in their rental. People are sticking around because shit's expensive, right? Gas is expensive. Food is expensive. Your car is expensive and rental housing is expensive. So when you look at the equation of good tenants moving, they have to be you know, increasing their salaries. They have to be keeping up with inflation and then they have to take the jump to move rental housing, which causes that bump. So there's less tenants out there, which is slowing things down. But if you look at the data, rents are going up, rents are going up. If you read blog to you know, one bedroom Toronto rents are skyrocketing. But if you actually dig into it, it was like three months ago, BlogTO put out this article, you know, one bedrooms have reached 2,500 or something like that in, in rent. Well, if you look back to, you know, what was it, February 2020 or 2021, pre-pandemic, one bedroom rents were at $2,500, right? So we had this massive drop in prices and rents have been climbing, but they are only now reaching pre-COVID times. Yeah. So yes, rents are going up. And when you look at things as a whole and Toronto is this great variable that shifts all of the market numbers, right? So if you look at Barrie and Thunder Bay and Kingston and you know Waterloo and Windsor and Welland, all of that is skewed quite heavily by the, the housing stock in Toronto. So take everything with a grain of salt and always you know, talk to an expert in that market about what your place could go for. And at, at Renpanel, we've been telling people and you know, telling all the rockstar coaches and agents and every agent out there, We'll come in and provide a free rent assessment, but like, don't let your your client buy a property based on what you think the property will go for based on MLS information. Yes, MLS is such a small segment. It's so small. Like yeah. the majority of properties are not rented through MLS. Right, and we'll mind. do it for free. We're like, we we have rental calculation tools. We're building them out. The data is getting more and more refined, and it wasn't five or ten years ago, but the data is out there now. So like, consult with the experts and don't putting your numbers into your, you know, your calculations and, oh, this property is cash flowing in Welland. Well, maybe it is if you're charging 400 over market rent. Yeah. Which oh. maybe you can see on your comparable on MLS because that was a terrible realtor right. that overbid on the property just to get it off his back. Yeah. Yeah. God. Anyway, that's I'm seeing rent. that too. Yeah. No, <laughs> dude, I'm, you're confirming everything I'm seeing and it's making me feel so good. Good. Like, uh, in 2021, January, it was the first lease I ever did. It was a three bed, one bath, brand new townhome in Barrie, 2,400. Yep. Okay. Next year, the tenant moved on great tenants. They wanted a backyard. So they, they moved on. Mm -hmm. Um, 20, we did it for 2450. Got it done. Nice and quick. Yep. Okay. Now this year came up again. The tenants left again. I was getting good professional couples, right? But they're just moving on. They all wanted a backyard or having a kid. Yeah. They moved on. This year, I just re-rented it for back down to 2400 when I was trying for a bit higher. And I'm like, okay, this has come down. Like, this is weird. I'm trying to explain to the landlord why this is happening because we're on an upward trend. Yeah. And you see all the headlines, rent going up, lowest vacancy rate. And the COVID Toronto thing makes mm -hmm. a whole lot of sense now for that Barry townhome because it was professional couples. Yeah a lot of whom were moving out of the GTA. And Barry, it, like as a specific market, Barry got super, super hot about a year into the pandemic because people were like, oh, it's close to Toronto. If I have to come back into the office one or two days a week, it's still commutable. There's a go train. Cottage country. Yeah, access, access to, to the cottage country. Barry got super, super hot. The same thing with Peterborough. I had the exact same experience with our agents in Peterborough where you know, two years ago, 
three bedroom uppers are renting for 2450, 2550, 2800 for the really nice ones. And now we're trying to rent those same properties and can't get anyone in for 2400 because the market has shifted back. So mm-hmm. it's it's something where looking at even provincial numbers, let alone national numbers, is completely useless. We we designed our own rent report because there wasn't data out there for these small markets and we wanted to understand for our team and our clientele what these markets were actually. So is this based off all of your numbers and the leases you guys are doing? Uh, Yes and no. So it's based on our numbers, but we we automatically and manually through our partner Door Insight aggregate data across multiple platforms. So we're looking at Facebook Marketplace, we're looking at Kijiji, we're looking at rentals.ca, we're looking at Zumper. You need volume of data in order to make that data accurate. And so Door Insight integrates all these different platforms? Yeah, Door Insight produces the report with us and they have a rent calculation tool and they are the ones who aggregate all that data and we're their partner in producing the rent report. Okay, and yeah. do you find it's pretty accurate? I know it's it's yeah. so tough to be completely accurate, but how do yeah. you find the actual result? It's very accurate, but again, with a grain of salt in certain markets. Um, so with the the travel of investor dollars out to tertiary markets, right? It used to be secondary markets. Now it's tertiary markets. Um, the amount of rental data is still lacking in those markets. So if we look at, you know, Belleville as a market was one that I would say is maybe secondary bridging on tertiary. Then if you look at like Brockville, where you got, you're like 40,000 people, if that 30,000 people, there are a lot of rentals in that city, but there's no rental data because there's just historically nothing to go on. So we're starting to build that data. If you had a place in Cornwall, I would say take it with a grain of salt and definitely go on and take a snapshot of the market over the course of a couple of weeks to understand what places are renting for. Um, But if you're looking at markets now that are secondary and tertiary and not moving on from that, the data is pretty good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so right. It does depend on the niche. Like I probably shot myself in the foot a little bit with my own student rental mm-hmm. that I have in Brock, um, where when I bought the place in February, 2022, the existing rents were 575 mm-hmm. per bedroom. There were seven leases, but it all averaged out to about 575 a bedroom. So it was like 3850, I think total mm-hmm. for seven. And then the next year I refilled, I raised it up to, and I filled late. Well, I filled that when I bought it, so I filled in March, which is a bit late, right? To try and find a group of friends for, for May 1st, when everyone's already found a place January, February. So then we filled for, no, then we filled for 575, sorry. And then we just refilled for 650 mm-hmm. for the students that are now living in there. So it was, to us, it was a huge jump because now we're getting 4550 yeah. on this, which is great income on the property. Mm-hmm. But then after the students moved in, I filled another property of mine, student rental, and asked my existing students, one, for if they had any friends, right. and two, do you think I'm priced right? Based on location, you guys were looking and mm-hmm. stuff. And they're like, honestly, 650 is a bit low. Right. Like, And I was like, damn it. Like They're all paying 650 now. I could have got 700 yep. because I was advertising nice and early in January, filled it the first showing, like, damn, so student rentals have just been jumping everywhere, yeah. which is the opposite from, you know, maybe these secondary markets yep. with the apartments or the single family homes that have been stabilized, if not dropping. That's why I'm uh, personally looking at student rentals and at Rent Panda 2, we're looking at uh, building out a program for student rentals in some of these secondary markets, because ultimately, if you think about universities and colleges as a business too, just like Facebook, they came out of COVID having lost a bunch of money and now they're trying to recoup those costs. So typically they're over-enrolling based on, well, when when compared to the housing stock that's available. 
And we've been talking to a couple universities and colleges that are actually upping their international student enrollment because international students pay more. Oh, like they're shooting through the roof, international mm-hmm. students. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's international students are also a demographic that local landlords are more uncomfortable renting to. So we understand the markets, we understand the rental dynamics and those demographics. We can create rental housing specific to international students with measures put in place to make sure the property value stays high and the property is kept in good order. Um, But it's a niche kind of focus that we're looking at right now and an opportunity. Yeah, for sure. It's huge. I was just, I'm new to the student rental game, like just these past two. I'm like, man, why was I ignoring this before? Like one, if you have the right systems in place, like put all the students on one lease, like that's the biggest one and do all these things. Like it's to me, no more management than a regular rental property. You know, there's going to be turnover every one to three years, but I'm okay with that, especially with rents jumping so high in that market. Um, But I was just thinking like, okay, in this market with rates up, I don't have to do this huge renovation to do like a duplex conversion Mm -hmm. to get the same amount of rents that I could just get by buying a house or maybe adding a couple bedrooms. Like there's a much smaller scale renovation to get the same rents, if not even better. And I was like, okay, so it's working in a high rate environment, but as soon as rates drop, it's working even better. Like the cash flow is insane, which is going to help me grow my portfolio anyways. So now refinancing can be the struggle. That's the downside. Um, because banks don't love student rentals as much. You don't have as many financing options yep. if they know it's a student rental. One lease. Yep. But uh, so it's it's my... Or it's, leased out to a corporation. Your corporation. Oh, <laughs> all right. That's the different podcast. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Hart Togman, you are a wealth of information. I learned so much from this. And um, I like to think I've learned a little bit about this stuff. Doing 80 leases now. Yep. I've become passionate about the subject. Just like we were talking before the podcast. Like you yep. do something enough, even though you hate it at first. Like I hated tenant placement. Yep. You get passionate because you learn how to do it better, faster, cheaper, more effectively. Help yourself out. Help other people out. Yep. You know your stuff, man. Thanks. Like you guys, I'm convinced you guys are legit now. So (laughs) it took us a while to learn also. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes and like I said before, we started in the tech game, right? I didn't want to be a property manager, be a leasing agent, run a company of leasing specialists. We wanted to build technology, but we realized this is where the market is at. This is the need. This is the change that we can actually impact. And now we have technology that enables our teams and yeah, I'm passionate about it. And I think we can actually do good things and yeah keep doing those leases. We're going to have to poach you onto our team. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. I think that answers everything I have. We can do another 10 podcasts. We already went two hours. This is one of our longest podcasts ever. So we'll cut it. No one's going to listen to it. I hope (laughs) maybe not. We'll slice it up into TikTok. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely going to be sliced (laughs) up. So thank you. Rent Panda. Do you want to call out anything? No, just go to rentpanda.ca. Give us a shout. I always answer the phone. When you call Rampanda, you call my phone. Yeah. And that's my promise as a CEO and founder. So client relationships are the most important. But um, yeah, everyone can be a landlord with the right tools. So get out there and buy properties and landlord and get the right real estate agents buying the property with you. Get the right leasing specialists leasing them out. And it can be a, a great experience. Yeah, that's actually it. We should uh, we'll end with this. Step one to finding a good tenant is buying the right house in the right area. Yep because you're going to attract the right tenant. Exactly. And it makes uh, Hart's job so much easier. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
A big thank you to Hart Togman for sharing everything that he did around Facebook, tenant placement, and the state of the rental market. If you want to learn more about how to crush the entire tenant placement process from start to finish for any type of rental strategy, reach out to us to ask about our Rent Your Home for Top Dollar class taught exclusively to Rockstar Inner Circle members on a monthly basis. Email us at members at rockstarbrokerage.com. Call 905-338-6964, extension 210, to talk to one of us on the membership team or visit rockstarinnercircle.com slash member to learn more about Rockstar and all the benefits of joining. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we hope to catch you on the next episode.